three minutes past six. It's Friday the 14th of September. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots on the show this morning, including my attempt to catch some rugby balls. (laughs) It's harder than it sounds. Trust me. Uh, Also, unlike all the other Olympians, Greg Rutherford won't get an open-top parade in his hometown of Milton Keynes. We'll speak to councillors behind this decision. And the Duchess of Cambridge has got her boobs out. Yes, apparently, apparently. A French magazine (laughs) says it's planning to publish the photos of Kate Middleton topless. It's thought the pictures were taken while the Duke and Duchess were on holiday in Provence. Well, on the back of that, I'm asking... When was the last time you went topless, dear listener? Want your complete honesty on this, please. Is there anything shocking about it anymore? And if you're a husband, how do you feel about your wife going topless? You can text me 81333, starting your text 3CR. Email 3CR at bbc.co.uk and call in and tell me when was the last time you went topless? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a Friday. I I have a feeling it's going to be one of those shows. Oh, also, we're speaking to our first Strictly Come Dancing correspondence as well. That is a cracking song, isn't it? I do like that. The Noisettes, that girl. It's Friday! Oh, thank goodness for that. Tomorrow, I'm taking my two-and-a-half-year-old to some storytelling in the morning, and then we're going to... There's a teddy bear's picnic. I'm not saying where. It's a top-secret location. What a fantastic Saturday. And on Sunday, I'm going to a five-year-old's birthday party. I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. Um, <clears throat> and having a, a lot of fun doing it. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. And you can give me a call about any of the things we're talking about. But the thing I really want to ask you this morning is, when was the last time you went topless? Have a think about it, <clears throat> and let me know. And if you're a man, do you mind if your, your missus goes topless? Do you worry about it? I think I'd be disappointed if my wife did. Well, and I think we can all agree that one of the most unattractive things in the world is being in the middle of a town with topless men walking around. Oh, guys, come on. If it's hot, wear a light T-shirt. Don't parade that around. The reason I'm talking about this is not because I'm a pervert. It's because royal officials are saddened and disappointed at pictures which, according to a French gossip magazine, show the Duchess of Cambridge topless. The pictures were reportedly taken last week when William and Kate were on holiday at a chateau in France. The magazine says it will publish the photos today. Well, we can talk to royal expert Sandra Westbrook. Good morning, Sandra. Hello, Ian. Are these pictures genuine? We don't know at the moment. I mean, if you look on the magazine's website, there is a photograph there which is a kind of a teaser, which is supposed to be of Kate sort of about to take her bikini top off. But it's so heavily pixelated that it's very hard to see who it actually is. Now, um, the palace, is, or the royal officials, are saying that they're not going to comment or say anything until they've actually, you know, they know that they really are genuine photographs and they do get published. So it's a really matter of waiting to see on on this one but obviously you know people are very concerned they were on holiday though weren't they so aren't they allowed to do what they want they're young they, they can have a good time can't they you would think so i mean they were staying at a chateau which belongs to lord linley who is william's cousin um and they were just relaxing having a, a 
very short break before they started off on the tour. And the photographs must have been taken with a very long lens. Right. So, th- th- is this would this be classed as a security breach? Possibly, yes, but if they were act- if the, f- the person who took the photographs was actually outside the property, um, then they weren't actually, you know, crossing the border and, and breaking in, really. So um, it's, it's a very difficult situation. I mean, we have had this situation with long lenses. I mean, look back to, you know, when D- Princess Diana was being photographed, there were so many pictures of her taken in private moments, mm. um, which were published, um, you know, even when she was first pregnant with, with William. And th- th- that obviously caused a lot of fuss at the time. But it really is, um, it's, they're, they're saying that this is setting the clock back 15 years when it comes to harassing members of the royal family. What implications does this have for royalty and how they're perceived around the world? Well, it's a very difficult situation for William and Kate because if these photographs are genuine, um, they're in a Muslim country at the moment. Mm. Now, Kate was um, photographed earlier, sort of an hour or so ago, actually going into a mosque. Now, she'd apparently, if she'd been told about the possibility of these photographs earlier on, she was completely covered up. She had a scarf over her head, um, you know, arms, legs, everything covered, as she would if she was going into a mosque. She's following, um, you know, the customs of the country. So for her to have the story about these photographs coming out this time, very, very difficult. The royal couple have said that they are saddened Mm. about what's going on. And you're right, this does hurt back to the days of Princess Diana being hounded. I, I thought we'd, we'd kind of uh, uh, allowed the royals to have at least some degree of privacy. Yeah, well, we certainly have in this country, but obviously, you know, other countries don't abide with the same kind of rules that they have here. Um, it's a very difficult situation, and, um, you know, you just hope that it doesn't mean it's going to be open season on the young royals now. Sandra, thank you very much. That's uh, royal expert Sandra Westbrook. Uh, by the way, dear listener, don't d- do as I did this morning. Take off the, um, the security system on your internet browser and type in Kate Middleton boobs, because boy, oh boy, do some very, very unpleasant, I'm, I'm sure, doctored images come up on the screen. It's an odd one, isn't it, really? I, d- <sighs> putting this to one side slightly... Going topless, is it that shocking in 2012? Really? Does it, does it mean anything these days? I can see there are implications for the royal family and how it, it could be slightly embarrassing. But that's it, isn't it? It, it would be a slight embarrassment. I need you, uh, uh, listen to, to help me with this one. When was the last time you went topless? Some people do it in their back gardens. Uh, I do find it a little bit odd. Really, but oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Be honest. When was the last time you went topless? Can we find the oldest person listening to the show who goes topless on a regular basis? That might be. Um, well, it might be something. Uh, and, and if you're a gentleman, how do you feel about your wife or your girlfriend going topless? I know that I would be disappointed if my wife did. She's not the sort. I don't think far too classy. But uh, how do you feel about it? Would you feel jealous? You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk or you can uh, text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or give me a call. That's the best way to do this, I think. 08459 455 555. Uh, let's have a look at the front pages of the newspapers. Well, the Daily Telegraph uh, has uh, the Duchess of Cambridge uh, with her clothes on, paying uh, respect to fallen Commonwealth soldiers at the Cranji War Memorial in Singapore. Also says third of elite universities are still looking for students. And there's uh, talk of probe into rigged petrol prices. Petrol's getting well expensive again, isn't it? Some places is, is 141 I've seen. Get out of here. 
Uh, the Daily Express. Superstatins, uh, superstatins beat cancer. Daily Wonder Pill tackles killer disease, say experts. Can I just suggest we always take the health stories in the Mail and the Express with a big pinch of salt, although salt will probably not do you any good. They're always saying we, the cure for cancer, cure for Alzheimer's. Cure for, well, yeah, it's, it, it's a long way off if it's going to happen. The Times, Hillsborough cover-up, police to face reckoning. Uh, the Independent revealed inside story of US envoy's assassination. Security leak blamed for killing of ambassador to Libya. Um, and calls for top police to face trial over Hillsborough. Um, the Guardian. Uh, oh, there's an exclusive interview with Woody Allen. Boy, does he look old. Uh, and military plans uh, early Afghan withdrawal. OK, we'll have a look at the rest of the papers in a little bit. It's 6.15, it's Friday the 14th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Olympic champion Greg Rutherford will not be treated to an open-top bus ride through his hometown. A French magazine has caused a new royal privacy row by saying it intends to publish topless photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. And in sport, Woburn's 16-year-old amateur golfer Charlie Hull's in joint second place at her first major, the Women's British Open at Hoylake. We'll have a full weather bulletin in a few minutes. And coming up, self-employed people in the three counties are seeking debt advice more than ever before, with small businesses seeking insolvency year upon year. After 6.30, we'll hear the story of a self-employed personal trainer across Hertfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, and if you enjoy Jonathan Vernon smith and you, you may not be aware of this, about 20 past 8, he pops into the studio to have a chitty chat with me. Uh, and they are thoroughly enjoyable and normally a little bit filthy. Uh, and we started putting those out as audio boos. So you can listen to those. It, they go up on the Facebook page. <clears throat> and I will mention the Facebook page a little bit later on so you can go and have a listen to when, John, when Jonathan pops in. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. I think I'm getting a cold. Yeah, I know, my baby's got a cold, and boy, oh boy. When, when you have kids, suddenly you're ill all of the time. Now, Milton Keynes Olympic and Paralympic athletes will not be honoured with a parade through the city. There was supposed to be a day of celebrations in Campbell Park. Instead, they'll be invited to a lunch reception at the Stadium MK before the MK Dons match against Crewe. But the gold medal winner, Greg Rutherford, will not be attending. Katrina Morris is the Conservative Mayor of Milton Keynes. She explained what will happen at the MK Dons on the 29th of September. We've got lots of suggestions from people of what we might do, a variety of things, and what we've gone with um, is at the MK Dons, it's um, the Family Fun Day anyway, which is external to the stadium itself, so lots of people who aren't going to the football come to that anyway. Uh, We've got lots of space down there to have a whole load of different sports going on. We've got about, I think, 10 or 12 different clubs from across Milton Keynes who want to be there and show the sort of events that, you know, people can try, the sort of sports that people can do. And uh, so they're going to be all there. And then there's a a civic reception in the sense of lunch uh, for everybody that's been involved. Well, on the question of uh, whether Greg Rutherford is attending or not, this is what she had to say. Um, We haven't heard that he's not coming. Um, but uh, the date was a date that was uh, free in his diary when I spoke with uh, his agent in August, um, and that's sort of, you know, that's the date we went for. Clearly it needs quite a lot of organising. The old we haven't heard he's not coming line. I'm guessing that means, Katrina, that you haven't heard that he is coming. 
And why can't Greg have his open bus tour like all the other Olympians in their home cities? Um, we've been advised many years with the MK Dons when they win things, when, when these sorts of things happen. Somebody, the advice is an open top bus through Milton Keynes wouldn't necessarily work, and I don't know, this is previous advice, because of the um, the sorts of roads that they are. I don't go with that argument because look at the amazing event we had with the F1, with Red Bull. I mean, how incredible to have those F1 cars going through the streets of Milton Keynes and thousands of people being able to watch it. So I, th- I agree with you. I think, you know, it's a possibility. We ought to be looking at doing something like that. It's a little bit late in the day, I would have thought. We, we can't have an open-top bus tour through Milton Keynes because of the type of roads they are. What, straight ones where people can line on either side and see everything easily? Really? Is that the advice that they've had? Well, it turns out that Greg will get an open-top tour, but in Woburn Sands, who've organised their own open-topped bus for Greg. It does seem a little bit of a shambles, and a little bit embarrassing, doesn't it? A council failing to manage to organise an open-top tour for their gold medal Olympian. Later on, we'll speak to a Milton Keynes councillor who was at Wednesday night's meeting. He says he's disgusted by the way this event has been organised. We'll also try and get some answers to, as to why this has happened when we talk to the council's cabinet member for sport, Peter Geary. It does seem a little bit embarrassing, doesn't it? That, how, how difficult is an open top tour to organise? You pick a day that he's free, you get a bus, you get a driver, bosh, you do it. That's it, isn't it? Am, am, am I being a little bit too simplistic here? I could, I'll drive him around in my car. He can put his head through the sunroof if he wants. Happy to do that. That'll save a few quid. Well, it won't, because my car doesn't have a sunroof. We'd have to get one installed. That would probably be quite expensive. Let's stick with the open-top bus tour, shall we? I think that that would be more appropriate. On the back of... Uh, uh, slightly inappropriate phrase, but on the back of um, Kate Middleton uh, having these potentially... <laughs> potentially uh, scandalous topless photos published, I am asking you this morning. When was the last time you went topless? Have we got a lot of uh, fruity, topless listeners to BBC Three Counties? I bet some of you are. I bet some... I know, I know for a fact, there are a lot of nudists who not only live in the Three Counties, but also listen to this show. I'll tell you why, because when I filled in here a few months ago, I got some tweets from a woman that were very kind. And I followed her, her tweets and followed, looked at her profile. And it said she was a nudist, and she ran a Facebook group. And I went to the Facebook group. There are a lot of nudists in beds, hearts and bucks. <laughs> Sends a shiver down my spine. Although I'm tempted to go and do a little report there one day. So if you're a nudist or you're a topless, when was the last time you went topless? And if you're a gentleman, would you mind if your wife did go topless? 81333 is the text number. Start your text 3CR, or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the weather now from Steve Weston, who I'm praying is fully clothed. I hope he is. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nice thick woolly jumper on here this morning. And there's the weather forecast from me, Steve Weston. Thank you, Steve. Nice to know you're fully clothed. Uh, ben in Buckingham has texted in, 81333. Last time I went topless was when I was 29. Uh, he's now, he goes on to say his body isn't a pretty sight now as he's got a beer belly. G- guys walking around town's topless. Can, can we get, get a law to stop that? It's horrible. Oh, it's a bit warm. I'm going to take my top off. No, don't. Please don't. A film is being made in Welland Garden City. 
It's called The World's End and stars the brilliant Simon Pegg, who I've... Se- <laughs> Speaking of uh, nudity, I've seen Simon Pegg's buttocks. Yeah, I know. I've had a, uh, He goes to the, s- the, the same gym that I used to, and when he was in training for Hot Fuzz, he, he was at the gym every day to try and get buffed up. And I sort of know him to say hello to. We're not friends by any stretch of the imagination. But I had one of those embarrassing conversations where I was sat down in the changing room getting changed, and he stood up in front of me fully nude. It was all on eye level. I know, I know. And we had a chat and it was awkward. Anyway, the film stars Simon Pegg and Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead. Uh, it's going to be shot on location by a pub in Letchworth. But not everyone is happy about this. Some of Welling Garden City's parking bays will be out of bounds for the shoot. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, has been to Welling Garden City. I would think that any kind of publicity for the town is probably a good thing and that, generally speaking, most people would go along with the parking ban provided it didn't go on too long and wasn't too much of a disruption. It's basically a bit of Thursday, all of today, i.e. Friday. Well, if I were coming into the town tomorrow by car, I might get a bit miffed. But it, it very, very much depends on different people's reasons for coming into the town and finding difficulty in parking, perhaps if they have to go to the doctor's surgery, which is close by, that sort of thing. What do you think about parking bays being suspended for filming? I don't think it's a problem. I think uh, it's a good thing for the area. It promotes the area, I think, if they've chosen to film a film here. I think it's positive. And just a few parking bays won't make too much difference if they're suspended? No, I don't think so. Um, it's, not, it's not a weekend tomorrow, is it? It's a Friday, so I think, don't think it'll make too much of a difference. There's quite a lot of parking around here. There's a lot of um, free parking, um, so I don't think it'll make a difference. If we see Simon Pegg, I like Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> I see Well and Garden on the, pa- on the uh, TV. Yeah. Okay. We might get a part. <laughs> I know they did a casting for the Hot Fuzz uh, here a couple of years back, so I was just going to college here. Um, but it was interesting to know the new, the new film was being done here, definitely. Yeah. Good for Welling? Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think about filming here tomorrow? I think it'd be very good for Welling. I think any exposure for Welling has got to be good. What, a, what about the parking bays, suspending the parking oh, bays? Will well, that cause a problem? I don't believe it will. Um, it depends, you know, if it's only for a, a, a while, for a long time. Just for the yes. day? Not a problem. I think there's plenty of other parking in Welling and, and free parking um, in some of the supermarkets. So, you know, it's not a problem at all. No, it'd be lovely. Smashing. Mm. Good Super. for Welling? Very good for us, yeah. Mm. yeah. Depends on the subject matter. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it'd be lovely. Just a job for us. Yeah, super. Thank you, laugh. Yeah, that's it. Be good to see it when it comes out yes, next year? Yes, yeah. Where will you have it? Uh, over there? That's the film cinema. Is that the cinema over there? No, it's gone from there now, oh, okay. isn't it, Doug? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was I'm there sure in you, the I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll be able <laughs> to catch it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably Hatfield, won't it? Yeah. yeah smashing. Okay. Anyway, thanks okay. a lot. <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot. The cinema, it was there last time I looked. Oh, good, everyone's pleased about it. I thought they might be up in arms, but everyone's excited. Most of the suspended parking bays are on Parkway uh, by the fountain. Some are directly outside the doctor's surgery. But the practice manager, Jeff Morgan, doesn't think there'll be much of a problem. Well, again, as long as our disabled access is clear and we have clear way for uh, the parking at the back of uh, the, the surgery for the doctors, then it should have no impact at all. But for some people, some vulnerable people who want to come and they can't park right outside, will that be a bit of an issue? Uh, No, we have. As long as there's access to the back, we allow, obviously, those uh, disability people uh, parking in the staff car park. So that's allowed. So as long as that access is clear, it shouldn't have any impact. 
and the disabled bays outside are, are going to be left free, hopefully. But there is one just over the other side of the road. But uh, that probably won't have too much of an impact, will it? Uh, no, it shouldn't do. Not on, on that. As far as I know, it's mainly for, obviously, for our surgery, the ones directly outside the premises. And having uh, lots of trucks and filming and everything going on outside your door, is that going to be a bit of a distraction? Or uh, Well, it will certainly be a distraction, but hopefully we can work around that. As long as uh, everybody is sensible, it should be fine. And overall, do you think probably quite good for Wellin in a way? A bit um, more exposure? Hopefully, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and see. <laughs> All right, sounds exciting, doesn't it? Um, our reporter, Gareth, is going to be on the film location trail. He'll be at the Colonnade Pub in Letchworth a little bit later this morning, which apparently is going to be used in the film. So if you're, if you're local, if you're concerned that this um, might in some way inhibit you, or if you think it's a really, really good idea... Then pop along to the uh, Colonnade pub, uh, grab Gareth. He's, he, looks, he looks terrifying, but deep down he's got a heart of gold. Uh, and tell him your thoughts, and maybe you'll get to, um, to come on the radio a little bit later on. 08459 455 555. I want to know the last time you went topless, and would you mind if your missus went topless? You can text as well, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. What a refreshing attitude. I'm a kid. I'm only 16. I haven't got any expectations. Wonderful. That's the way to do it. She sounds fantastic. Uh, On the show this morning, we're talking small businesses. We're talking movies. We're talking boobs. <laughs> There's no other way of saying it, is there? When was the last time you went topless? Do I sound a little bit too desperate to ask you that question? Uh, you know, it's been a long time. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's the kinks from Waterloo Sunset. I uh, interviewed, I've interviewed both Dave Davis and Ray Davis, and Ray Davis uh, from the kinks is famously very, very grumpy. And it was an awkward interview. It was a very awkward interview. Uh, where he was very monosyllabic and only giving one-word answers. Well, that's what monosyllabic means. Uh, uh, until I said, oh, by the way, Ray, I used to live in Milton Keynes. I lived in, Mil- uh, uh, in Milton Keynes. I used to live in Muswell Hill. I lived in Muswell Hill for about ten years. And as soon as I said that, he's like, all right, yeah, where, where, where did you used to hang out? And I, I mentioned a couple of curry houses I went to and a Chinese restaurant. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I know. And suddenly the whole interview turned over and he was absolutely charming. Yeah, it's true absolutely charming because i had that muswell hill connection in fact i drove through there the other day i drove past the house where um you really got me was written and there's no there's no blue plaque there that's where heavy metal was invented and i pointed it out to my family and everyone was like yeah whatever anyway so later on (laughs) that's one of the greatest rock songs of all time was written anyway Self-employed people in the three counties are seeking debt advice more than ever before, with small businesses uh, seeking insolvency year upon year. Ben works as a self-employed personal trainer across Hertfordshire. Before he started his personal training business, Ben found himself struggling to keep afloat when his first business idea failed. We sent our reporter, Sophie Solaria, to meet Ben at his home in uh, Wheathampstead, where she found herself getting some unexpected exercise. So, this particular movement is great for working glute strength. Excellent. Okay. Bottom. Yeah, bottom, as you might want to call it. <laughs> the best thing that you want to do is work on swinging through the hips, <laughs> and at the top of the movement, thrusting, squeezing your glutes, okay? You're going to breathe... Initially, I actually launched another business or another brand about three months before I launched the personal training business, which was 
a business operating in nightclubs and doing fitness classes um, and the idea was trying to make fitness fun for people um, but there was a lot of outgoings on that so the initial loan which I got from the Prince's Trust I lost about 2,000 of that straight away by launching this initial business which didn't go very well the stress at that time was kind of massive because you've got this loan which you've worked out that you wanted to make money from so you've done the projections and thought by this stage I should be making money but it wasn't the case I was down on money so yeah the first few months were really tough um, didn't know where the money was coming from and I spent the loan pretty quick actually you must think back and realize how people get into debt when they first start out in their own self-employment oh yes of course because you have kind of belief in yourself and dreams and ideas that you've put down that you want to follow through with and I had to scrap my first sort of dream quite quickly within six weeks um, because I realised that the way I was doing it wasn't quite right and it was going to lose a lot of money. And I can easily see how people can keep going with an idea and going. And for some people, that's why you're very successful, that you keep plugging away at something. And I think for me, I think I did the right decision at the time because I know I don't have money behind me that I had to cut what I did quickly. Knowing what you know now and guessing when the right time to cut that business loose was, mm. what would your advice be to other people that find themselves in that position where they've got this loan, they've got this new business, but they just don't see it working? I think you have to be strategic. So at the beginning, you have to set out a strategy for where you want the business to go and have plans in place to make that happen. I think you have to have a plan A, B and C. So initially I was new to business, so I had a plan A and that was kind of it really. That didn't work out and I did the right thing to cut it when I did because there wasn't any kind of strategy in place to change it at the time. But now I would make sure that I probably fought through all the angles possible and if the first thing you do didn't go right, then you've got something else to try, some backup plans. Okay, Sophie, come on in, let's go for a run. Oh. Okay, whoa! Let's go. Let's go quick, 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 quick. Oh, dear. No. Anyone else find that slightly uncomfortable? <laughs> Poor Sophie's a, lo- a lovely, gentle, fragile girl. She, th- that's not fair. Come on now. Uh, later on in the programme, well, she's nice. She's blooming tough. We'll be speaking to financial expert Nick Payne. He'll be on hand to give some advice to those people in hearts, beds and bucks worried about debt. If you've got a question for Nick, you can get in touch. 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or give us a call. 08495 455. 459. I knew I said something wrong there. I, what I was worried about, and the reason I paused is I did get the number wrong, but I, I have on, on occasion, once before, I gave out my number. Yeah, I did. I, I, I stopped just at the last couple of digits, so I was two digits short, but I thought, oh, this number sounds too familiar. It's my home phone number! So I stopped. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five is the telephone number. Let's have them Beatles, shall we? It, thank you. It amazes me that some people don't like the Beatles. Some people don't like... There are people listening to this show now, perverts, I call them, who don't like... The Beatles. How can you not like the Beatles? That's just insane. By not liking the Beatles, there is a whole musical hole in your life. They are truly the finest pop band of all time. Aren't they? You know it. Come on. Good morning. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget to give me a call. I do want to talk to you uh, and find out when was the last time you went topless? 
Kate Middleton's been uh, supposedly pictured topless, and those darn Frenchies are going to print a picture of it in a magazine. Uh, I don't see what the big deal is, really, to be honest. When was the last time you went topless? 08459 455555. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's coming up to 6.45. These are your headlines on Friday the 14th of September. Milton Keynes won't be honouring Olympic champion Greg Rutherford with an open-top bus procession. St James's Palace are refusing to comment on a French magazine's claims it has topless photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. In sport, Woburn's 16-year-old amateur golfer Charlie Hull is in joint second place at her first major, the Women's British Open at Hoylake. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks drizzle at first, but then it'll brighten up. Top temperature is 19 degrees. And coming up, volunteers for a Hertfordshire charity which helps more than 300 uh, people suffering with HIV or AIDS have resorted to using their personal savings to stay afloat after their funding was cut by Hertfordshire County Council. We'll be joined by the manager of the charity before 7am. BBC Three Counties Radio. Do you worry that these topless pictures put the royal family in an awkward position? Really, in 2012? 08459 455 555, Maxine Nightingale next. Now, volunteers for a Hertfordshire charity, which helps more than 300 people suffering with HIV or AIDS, have resorted to using their personal savings to stay afloat after their funding was cut by Hertfordshire County Council. In July, BBC Three Counties reported that the Crescent was under threat due to a lack of funding. Now they're staying open only because of the good work of the volunteers. The charity says the council is ignoring its concerns and something needs to be done for their service users. Ian Murta, manager of the Crescent, is here to tell us more. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Now, I spoke to you in July. What's happened since then? Um, well, we carried on with our campaign and, uh, and fundraising uh, and also negotiations with various parties including the county council to try and get this matter resolved Mm -hmm. um we were grateful that we uh, managed to get the support of john sessions um who's been helping us in in the background trying to find other routes for us to get funding but unfortunately at the moment the money's not coming in fast enough the the money that we had in reserves is now exhausted so we had to make the staff redundant right um however we're still faced with the issue that we've got all these people who rely on us for support um and some of which I've known for a good many years. Uh, so we decided that uh, the best thing to do is we've still got a little money left to pay the gas and electricity, etc., is that we'll volunteer from here on mm. and try and keep the doors open at least two days a week, if not more. How many people are volunteering? Uh, at the moment, we've got two, two uh, ex-members of staff and we've got four <coughs> other volunteers that come in on different days. And you said that all the money is completely cut off now, so you're not getting any money? No money at all. How, no. you, how are you paying things like gas bills and, and With what, like the little that was left after we obviously settled the redundancy payments for the right. staff. Um, with what is li- the little that's left in the bank account is just enough just to keep it going. So you've got a tiny little pot yeah, that yeah. Is, is just ticking. How long it, is that going to last? Uh, probably till Christmas, I think. But um, we've had little uh, little bits of uh, money coming in, little donations, personal donations yep. from members of the public. So every um, pound helps in that respect. You've had some media attention. You've just shown me the, the little piece in private eye you've taken up. Yeah. Uh, Pink News, uh, a lot of the local papers. Yeah. It's all been positive and on your side, yes. hasn't it? 
that, has that helped at all? Has oh, I think it's helped immensely because it, 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 it's helped keep the thing um, with some momentum because mm. I was concerned, obviously, that, and I think the, the county council were relying on the fact that this would slowly run out of steam and then they wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. The fact that Private Eye have taken up the issue and featured the county council in their Rotten Borough section talking about this, this issue, I think is a very good thing and we will be using that as hopefully a springboard to get more media coverage to expose the situation because it is wrong you've got enough money to last till christmas if things don't change what happens then it closes completely well it would have to close completely yeah. Yeah. there would be no other other how, way how many people would be affected by that and what would the impact be on their lives well as as probably your listeners w- would have seen in some of our local press like the, the st Albans review where they were interviewing some of the members who were concerned about the closure uh, there were concerns that some of them, not to put too dramatic a, a, a slant on it, but would come to serious harm because they would feel they had nowhere to go. Uh, there is no real equitable service across the county. There's plenty of provision in the east of the county, but very poor in the west. But so the, ca- the county council, they've got their own centre. The, the uh, other organisation, HeartSaid, have a, Heartsaid. A, a base in Ware, so why can't your, the people that use your centre, why can't they go there? What's the problem? To where, um, well, if you, unless you drive, and even if you do drive, a journey from, say, St Albans or Watford or Hemel Hempstead or somewhere like that to where can take you an hour or more. Mm. Um, if you're using public transport, that can mean several changes and probably four to six hours as a round trip. Now, if you're in crisis or you're trying to get help, perhaps in your lunch hour or after work... How is that going to be possible for you? It's not. Why do you think this is happening? Why do you think the funding has been cut for the Crescent? I think, uh, from my personal point of view, the, fund, the, the issue is that there was, back in 2010, the end of 2010, there was a suggestion that we would need to make savings of around 25%, which we were happy to do mm. and could do because we don't have the same overheads as HeartSaid because we don't rent our premises or in trust. Um, and I think the issue there was that HeartSaid, because they do have to pay rent for their premises everywhere, wouldn't be able to afford to make that sort of saving. Mm. So in order to protect that organisation, the County Council decided that they would remove the funding from us and give it to HeartSaid on top of their funding in order for them to survive. As Private Eye have highlighted, there is a connection between the County Council and HeartSaid in so much as the Chair of HeartSaid is a county councillor, Sally Newton, uh, who also chairs the Health Scrutiny Committee and formerly chaired the uh, Joint Commissioning Partnership Board and uh, also as Mayor of Hartford uh, had HeartSaid as one of the recipients of her mayoral fund. So you think that there could be a conflict of interests here? I think so, yes. We've got a statement from Hearts County Council. Uh, we're looking forward to meeting represent. It's quite long, so bear with me. Mm. We're looking forward to meeting representatives from the Crescent on Monday and hearing what they have to say about the services we and the NHS jointly commission for people living with HIV in the co- in the county. We're also looking at how we can make our services more efficient and effective. And feedback from service users is an important part of this. It's unlikely that we'll be able to find any more money for HIV services, but if there are things we can do to improve the way our current contracts are working, we're happy to consider them. Doesn't sound very positive for you, does it? No, it doesn't sound very positive. And let's face it, this is nearly two years later. Surely all of this should have been in place before, mm. not after. And that is effectively f- half a million pounds worth of taxpayers' money that seemingly seems to have gone west. What are you hoping to get from the meeting on Monday? I'm hoping that they will actually start to see sense. Um, the fact that these people, the, the people that are living with this condition, and it is 
unfairly stigmatised and they, and it is difficult for people to talk about it and I think the County Council are sort of part relying on that but if they're coming forward and talking to the press and effectively identi- identifying themselves to other people when in the majority of cases we're the only people that yeah. know there's got to be something wrong mm. these people are being forced to do something because the County Council aren't listening and the County Council say they've been monitoring HeartSafe's performance and say that everything is above board and everything's working properly but even if you look at the county council's own website the information for heart aid is wrong it directs people to sites that um heart aid used to operate 18 months ago right that have closed so if they, they say that they're monitoring this and, and, and they're happy that everything's okay mm. but even their own information isn't right so ian you go to the on. meeting on monday yep it goes badly yep. they basically tell you to get knotted yeah what do you do then? We'll just continue. We will protest. We will do whatever is necessary. I mean, we've got this far, and we're now obviously committed to using our own time and our own money in order to mm. help these people. We can't abandon them what now. What kind of protest can you do, though? There's not really a lot we'll you can do. We'll get as many people together as possible. We'll chain ourselves to something. We'll do whatever is really? necessary. Yeah. Chain, what, would, what would you chain yourself to? I don't know. Department of Health, perhaps? County Hall? Wow. Anywhere. Okay. It, it is ridiculous. These, if it comes to something, if you've got people with a stigmatised position who are, a condition who are being forced into the public eye to complain, and you've got people who work supporting these people who, after they've run out of money, are still there trying to keep services running. This can't be right. Ian, listen, we'll be speaking to you again on Tuesday, I'd imagine, uh, the day after the meeting, to find out uh, how it went. So Thank you. keep us informed. It's Ian Murta, who's manager of the Crescent, that is, uh, well, it's, it's, it's not facing cuts, it's had the cuts, it's got no money. Uh, we should be following that story uh, with interest. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. As I say, this, the, the, one of the weird things of this job is going from something uh, incredibly serious that affects a lot of people to something incredibly flippant and light-hearted, but it's the nature of the beast, so I have to do this. When was the last time you went topless <laughs> it doesn't really flow very well does it but as the question that we're asking this morning on the the, the back of these pictures that a french magazine is claiming to have uh, of uh, kate middleton being topless we are asking when was the last time that you went topless oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number and also how do you feel about your wife or your partner doing it i know i'd be disappointed if my wife did i don't think she would She's a little bit clark. It's a bit common, isn't it? That's the surprising thing. It's a little bit common. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and you can text in as well. Eight one three double three. Starting your text three CR. Plenty more coming up. Plenty more coming up in the next two hours of the show, including you get to hear me getting teased by a load of rugby players. Yeah, I know. I went to the Saracens practice ground yesterday. It's very embarrassing. All of that after the news with Catherine. It's Friday, it's the 14th of September. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty to come between now and nine o'clock. The Duchess of Cambridge has been photographed topless. A French magazine says it's planning to publish them. It's thought the pictures were taken while the Duke and Duchess were on holiday in Provence. I'm asking this morning, when was the last time you went topless? And also, how would you feel about your missus going topless? 81333, start your text 3CR. And unlike all the other Olympians, Greg Rutherford won't get an open-top parade in his hometown of Milton Keynes. We'll talk to the councillors behind this decision. But 
Should we still be celebrating our Olympic athletes? Or is it done now? It feels like that was quite a long time. Kids are back at school. It's winter out there, pretty much. Should we still be celebrating our Olympic athletes? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. It would be nice to speak to you this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, as I just mentioned, Milton Keynes Olympic and Paralympic athletes will not be honoured with a parade through the city. There was supposed to be a day of celebrations in Campbell Park. Instead, they'll be invited to a lunch reception at the Stadium MK before the MK Dons match against Crew. But it's unlikely that gold medal winner Greg Rutherford will be able to attend. Uh, UKIP councillor Lee Barney says he is disgusted that uh, MK's gold medal winner will not be honoured with a parade. He joins me now. Good morning, Lee. Good morning. Lee, you were at the council meeting on uh, Wednesday. What was discussed? Well, lots of things were discussed, but around, you know, specifically around Greg Rutherford, it was quite amusing because there was a lot more buck passing than you usually see in the council chamber. Um, the, the council leader, Andrew Geary, was asked repeatedly by myself and other councillors, you know, what, what's this farce all about? Why, why is this happening? Why hasn't this happened already? Uh, and he immediately passed the buck to the mayor, who then implied that it was the agent's fault. Well, so whose fault is it? No one's, no one's quite clear about it. No, no one seems to know. Uh, to be honest, rather, rather than, you know, knocking them down for whose fault it is, which I, I am desperate to get to the bottom of eventually, I would actually like to find out, you know, what can be done right now to change this? Can we just get somebody else with an open-top bus in Milton Keynes, speak to Greg, put him on top of it, and, and do something outside of the council? Because clearly the council can't organise this. And when I say the council, I'm not implying the officers are at fault here. Uh, Katrina Morris, the mayor, said that it was actually her who, who organised it originally with, with Greg's agent. You're disgusted about this, aren't you? Why? Oh, well, I'm, I'm disgusted because, as you mentioned about, you know, a couple of minutes ago, the, the Olympics was a very long time ago. Uh, the Paralympics has only just finished a couple of weeks ago. So, arguably, the Paralympics, you know, we, we can still have a ceremony for them now. But the, the Olympians themselves, that, that, you know, this was nearly two months ago, and we're only just getting around to having a parade. And Greg Rutherford may not be there. I mean, the, the, the guy won a gold. You know, it's one of the biggest things to happen to Milton Keynes for a very, very long time. And we're not even doing him the honour of celebrating for him. Who else is confirmed as attending uh, on the 29th? I think it's easy to say who's not going. Um, as far as oh, far really? Far, no, really? Yeah, not many people are going. And that includes the Paralympians. Uh, I've been told that there, there were not even invitations sent out to the Paralympians. And, and if you read the local press, certainly that's what they're saying as well. If, if that's true, that they didn't send invitations to the Paralympians, that's, that's pretty scandalous, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, the mayor, again, is now saying that, you know, it was sent to their agents and to their people, and that that's perhaps why they didn't get, get them. But let's be honest here. Do you know what I mean? Being invited to a celebration in your hometown is something that generally your agent's going to pass on to you. Whether or not you go is a different matter, but you would know about it. So the fact that they, they were oblivious to, the, to, to any event, much like the rest of the population of Milton Keynes, indeed, um, I, I think indicates a significant failing. Lee, Greg is going to have an open top tour, uh, bus tour in Woburn Sands the day before on the 28th. That's enough, isn't it? Well, I think it's going to have to be, isn't it? It's not like we've got much of a choice now. Uh, doing a closed event in, at the MK Don ceremony kind of restricts the audience to those who've got uh, season tickets or tickets to the MK Don's game, and half of the audience won't even be from Milton Keynes. 
stay on the line. We've got um, Jackie Jeffries, is the Woburn Sands town councillor. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. Why did you decide to have an open-top bus tour in Woburn Sands? Uh, well, we, we actually decided that um, the day after he won his gold medal, uh, because we thought that would be lovely. He actually lives in Woburn Sands, mm. so this seemed like the obvious place uh, to do something. Um, we're very fortunate in having uh, a local gentleman who has a vintage open-top bus and who is always keen to do things for and with the community. So it just seemed a, a very easy and obvious route to go down. And how easy was this to organise with Greg? Because w- we are hearing from some sources from, uh, from Milton Keynes that the, the, the agent was, was perhaps slightly difficult to deal with. Did you, did you encounter that at all? Um, we did do all this through Greg's agent. Um, I think communications have been have not been particularly easy, but uh, we have done it all through the agent. So, yes, it did work for us. What, and what are your roads like? What, how's, how easy is it going to be to, to do this? Um, well, we will take uh, him up a route which takes in part of the main road and then goes um, around a more of a back street and through to Mowbray Green. Uh, now at Mowbray Green we're um, having a plaque uh, erected and a 8.31 metre uh, length of paper which will have a, a gold strip down it. Oh, that's good, yes. Um, to, um, and it'll be marked off in uh, metres so that kids can stand alongside and just compare their own jumps with Greg's magnificent achievement. And uh, then he will pray, uh, the bus will go up the main street of Hardwick Road, down the high street, um, and there will be plenty of space uh, in the high street to accommodate anyone who wants to come and watch. It's, it's on the 28th. Uh, mm-hmm. When exactly does it start and it, where? It kicks off from Frost Garden Centre at 4.30. Um, the ceremony at Mowbray Green will be about quarter to five. And then um, about five o'clock, he should be on his way up to the high street and all the way down the high street to um, station, down Station Road, uh, nearly as far as the level crossing. And he will then go into the to our community centre there, the Summerlin Centre. And, and Anyone can come along? Absolutely. Jackie, well, listen. Wave your flags, cheer, and uh, we'll be delighted. And we'd also like any um, games makers who are living in this uh, area to contact us, and we would be delighted to have them present in their uniforms and their accreditation. That would be great. Jackie, thank you very much. That's Jackie Jeffries, is the Woburn Sands Tower Councillor. Lee, that must gut you a little bit hearing that, doesn't it? It does. Uh, I'd like to know if we could borrow their bus afterwards, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, it sounds like the fellow who owns the bus is, is pretty much up for lending it to anyone. Do you, do you want... Uh, the, the buck surely has to stop with the mayor. She's organised the event. The, the, it, it has to be her responsibility that he's not coming, doesn't it? I think she inserted herself into the, into the issue the moment she started contacting Greg's agent herself. Um, <clears throat> you know, the mayor is a ceremonial function. Uh, the mayor does have office staff that she can use. Um, when she said she picked up the phone and spoke to Greg's agent herself, I think, you know, the buck does stop there now because ultimately she was then responsible for continuing on and, and organising the, the function. That, that just didn't happen. We're speaking to Peter Geary, Cabinet Member for Sport, a little bit later on in the show. What would you like to ask him, Lee? I'd like to know why he's getting involved now, because Andrew Geary made it very clear that this wasn't a political issue, and it wasn't something for the political office. Um, he passed the buck straight to the mayor. The mayor then has now tried to find any way of getting out of this, now blaming the roads. Perhaps we should be speaking to the councillor for, uh, so the cabinet member for transport, John Bint, because uh, apparently it's his roads that are at fault in Milton Keynes now. Lee, thank you very much. I can hear there's a, there's a certain uh, bitterness and anger there. Um, that's Lee Barney, who's the UKIP councillor uh, in Milton Keynes, and we also spoke to uh, Jackie Jeffries, who is 
is the Woburn Sands town councillor who has successfully managed to arrange what it would appear Milton Keynes couldn't arrange. Greg Rutherford having an open-top bus through their area. Well, later on, after eight, we're going to hear from Greg Rutherford's dad, which will be fantastic um, to get his uh, aspect on all of this. Uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Should we just be moving on now from the Olympics and the Paralympics? They were fantastic, weren't they? Wonderful. But are we just trying to, to hold on to that little bit of glory just a little bit too long? 08459 455 555 uh, if you agree or if you disagree I mean, you think no these, these guys are heroes all of them we should be applauding them and celebrating them and be more than happy to turn out and see them 08459 455 555 uh, you can text 81333 I've just had a little message from Catherine Boyle our news reporter during her last bulletin I had my microphone open you may have heard a little yawn <laughs> you, may, you may have heard a little yawn not because not because I was, was, was bored by the news that Catherine was so expertly delivering it's because I've been up since four o'clock that's all dear listener and I didn't follow the advice that we had yesterday I've not been eating my nuts this morning I need to be nibbling on my nuts first thing in the morning to, to kind of wake me up a little bit so Catherine I apologise and for all of your bulletins, please be aware, I am uh, sat here listening very, very intently. Indeed. <laughs> How embarrassing. How embarrassing. Sorry. Right, let's have a look at the front pages before we, uh, before we go any further, shall we? Lots of different things. It, 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 the first time in a few days that they're not all covering the same story. Uh, the Times. Kate provides light and shade in Singapore. Lots of pictures of Kate uh, with clothes on. That may not be the case in tomorrow's newspapers, dear listener. Also, Hillsborough cover-up police to face reckoning. Uh, the Guardian military plans early Afghan withdrawal. The Independent revealed inside story of US envoys assassination. Um, OK, which is uh, because of this, um, this, this, this film that's out there that's supposed to be controversial. I'm kind of keen to see this film. To see, to see what the fuss is about. I, I feel slightly uncomfortable talking about this film that belittles Islam, apparently, when I haven't seen it. It's, I'm assuming it's out on the internet to have a look. I mean, and and uh, we should be allowed to watch it, shouldn't we? The Daily Express, superstatins beat cancer. The Telegraph, third of elite universities are still looking for students. The Daily Mail now put liar police uh, now put police liars in the dock as extraordinary scale of Hillsborough cover-up is laid bare. Pressure builds for criminal charges against senior officers. This story is going to go on. It's gone on for 23 years. It's going to go on for a lot longer as people press for uh, criminal action. The Daily Mirror. Kate's agony at topless pictures. Sneaky French mag prints sunbathe snaps. Uh, and The Sun, Hillsborough Report. Now, families of the 96 top cop must go. Fury at defiant chief's comments. It is 7.15 now. It's Friday the 14th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A French magazine has stirred up a new row about royal privacy by saying it intends to publish topless photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. Woburn's teeno- teenage amateur golfer Charlie Hull is tied in joint second place at the Women's British Open at Hoylake. In sport, there'll be no open-top bus parade through Milton Keynes for Olympic champion Greg Rutherford or any of the area's Olympians and Paralympians. We'll have a full weather bulletin in a moment with Steve Weston. And coming up before 7.30, we hear about why more than 300 students are gathering together this weekend to set a brand new world record. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
We've had to, we're asking about going topless. And do, do you? When was the last time you went topless? And um, do you mind if your your wife or partner goes topless? Well, Paul Faulkner has tweeted me. I love my partner topless. On Sunday, we went to a ruined castle, and she went topless. Great picture. Now, well, Paul, you have to send us that picture, otherwise it didn't happen. She went topless in a ruined castle. Where is your respect for history, man? That's disgusting, isn't it? And Dazzy has sent it. Listen, I don't want this to get all sleazy and lecherous. When I took this job, one of the things I was determined was that this wouldn't become all, you know, like FHM on the radio. I don't want it to be all ladsy. It's not what we want. But Dazzy, you know when you get a text from someone called Dazzy, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> it's not even Daz, it's Dazzy. Morning. I'm assuming this is how he speaks. Morning. Yeah, my wife goes topless any time. In fact, she's just hanging and washing out. Boo, bit chilly outside. She's next to me now, topless. And her mate is here also topless. Oh, we send her a photo. Lol. That's from Dazzy. Dazzy, I don't believe you for a second. Let's, let's, let's try and up the class factor on this show a little bit, shall we? Let's go to Heidi in Welling Garden City. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Ian. Now, we were talking about the film that's going to be um, uh, made partly in Welling Garden City, Simon, uh, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. There's a little bit of pre-shooting going on today. Are you excited about it? Yeah, really excited. Why? Because Welling Garden City doesn't get much happening here, so it's nice to see something good happening. Does it not get much happening there? Not really. Is it, so this is like the highlight of what, the, the, the decade so far? Yeah, it's a bit boring here. Oh, no. It's, it's nice there, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice town, but there's not a lot going on, yeah. So, do you think there's going to be a buzz about uh, uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost being there? Yeah, everyone I've spoke to is really excited about it, and I've looked on Twitter and seen all the tweets and everything. Yeah, we're all excited. Are you going to go down there and have a look? Yeah, me and my friend Valentina are going to go down there today. Valentina? Yeah. Is that Val and Tina or Valentina? Valentina. That's the, that's the person's name? Yeah, she's what? Greek. Oh, no. Ah, oh, is she there now? No, oh. she's probably at home and I'm hoping she's listening. Ah, oh, Valentina Ticanis. Polycolasi. <laughs> that's all the Greek I know. Uh, well, uh, Heidi, do let us know how it goes. And if you get to meet Simon Pegg, say hello to him from us, won't you? Oh, well. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, and on a completely different subject, and on a buzzy line, it's Dennis in Dunstable. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Dennis, you're, you're uh, upset about Kate Middleton. I'm totally disgusted with the French, as usual. They go upset on. everybody, quite frankly. They ought to use the guillotine with that uh, photographer, and then he'd be topless. Well, calling to have someone's head chopped off is a little bit harsh, Dennis. No, it's not. His... No, no, because that's where it started, in his stupid brain. Yes. Part of the body, yes. But if she... Listen, uh, Dennis, if she's in a position of responsibility and uh, authority of some kind, surely she should have been sensible enough not to take her top off. With a thing like the sort of cameras they've got these days, with high-position high lenses, you could be, she could be topless a mile away, completely, you know, away from anybody. And you get one of these slimy people sliming in and, and taking photos. Quite frankly, I'm disgusted. Don't get me wrong, I like young ladies topless, but at my age, it's a bit late. But nevertheless, I think they ought to be... These sort of people, they're trying to do a good job. So don't go out anymore. That's what it means. Don't go and visit these places. That's it. That's what's going to happen. Now, Dennis, be honest. Is that your cat in the background? No, it's my chair. It's sweet. <laughs> 
Be honest, Dennis, tomorrow you're going to pop down to the library, you're going to book a little session on the computer. I don't need to, I've got my own computer. Okay. You're going to Google those pictures, aren't you? No, I'm not. If no, the, I'm, I am not. You're not curious to no, have a look at those pictures least. of Kate Middleton topless? She's, no, she's a nice-looking young lady. You can see her fully clothed. You don't need to be topless to see that she's a nice girl. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, they're absolute scum, these people, quite frankly. I don't often get upset about things like this, but I am infuriated, quite frankly. Yeah, I think the SAS, <laughs> SAS ought to go in there and teach them a few lessons. <laughs> Sorry, what? No, send the SAS in <laughs> and teach them a few lessons. We had a text from Chris saying the same thing. I think they should send the SAS in to kidnap the people behind the article. That's right. You'd do that, would you? Yes, I would, and then strip them naked. Dennis, thank you very much there on that, on that wonderful image. We shall leave it there. Dennis is furious that these French have got pictures of our princess, our future queen, topless. Are you upset by it? And when was the last time you went topless? Oh, eight four five nine, four double five, five double five. Now, yesterday we talked about some of the uh, the oddest world records that people had set, and uh, the, the, for the people that lived in the three counties. Uh, now, more than three hundred students are going to gather in Luton this weekend to try and break the world's largest game jam in a single lo- uh, location. Uh, Luton student Jean Christophe Mazza is joining them. He's here with me now in the studio. Now, Jean Christophe, I am a geek. I do like playing games. I've got no idea what a game jam is, though. Well, basically, is uh, where everyone gathers f- during the weekend. We have. 48 hours to make a game from scratch. You're making a game? We're making a game from scratch. So right. all the assets and the design, everything, we make it from scratch when we start the game jam, which is going to be today around 6 o'clock. Yeah. And uh, they give us a theme. We don't know the theme yet. Okay. Once they give us the theme... Who, gives you, who gives you the theme? Uh, the, the judges. Right. And it's going to be with Microsoft this time. Yep. So there's going to be a lot of industry experts from Microsoft and it's going to be all the train to game directors and yep. all that so they're, they're going to judge as well and they decided the theme i don't know what it is yet but is that not nerve-wracking uh it is i've been well i was chosen <laughs> team captain in my team and i've right. been i've been been under pressure for the past six weeks now ever since they told about the game jam why are you taking part how did you get involved with this well, I'm on the course. I'm uh, sorry. I'm on the course with Train to Game. Yeah. And uh, well, this I think is one of the best course I've ever taken yeah. in my life because it's vocational diploma. So you get to do at home, and it's on your own term, and there's no deadline. You learn about the whole creation of a video game, the whole pipeline, and there's they have many different courses. They have designers, artists, and animator. Uh, development course which mm. is a lot of coding and all that and they have also a quality assurance course so I'm on the artist and animator course so I do a lot of uh, 3D modeling mm-hmm. and animation and I've joined that course because I'm a heavy gamer I'm a geek just like you uh, welcome brother <laughs> we should hang out I've been playing games since I was very little and uh, I always wanted to do that as as a living very quickly let's just go off on a slight tangent indulge me because I'm not normally allowed to talk about geeky stuff the, the new Wii U thumbs up or thumbs down uh, any good I saw it I think thumbs up ok good Wh- up. what's the previous world record for this game jam uh, there's not been any this, world record so this, this is, is the, the first, first one time, so you're yes. going to get it whatever happens uh, yeah hopefully yeah. but just <laughs> don't mess it up make it good uh, yeah 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 of course but 
We'll see what happens. Jean-Christophe, listen, I wish you the best of luck. We might speak to you on Monday to find out how it goes. Oh, OK. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Jean-Christophe Mazza there, who's going to break, be part of the team that breaks the world record. Shall we go over to Gareth now, or should we do Gareth a little bit later? We won't go to Gareth now, we'll do him a little bit later on. OK, fantastic. Jean-Christophe, thank you so much for coming in. That's very kind. Now, we're asking this morning, uh, would you go topless? When was the last time you went topless? Uh, and do you mind if your missus does it? This is because there are uh, pictures of Kate Middleton that the French magazine is going to uh, possibly publish. Esther in Luton has called in. Esther, what's your take on this, please? It's pathetic. What, th- what's pathet- pathetic? Well, half the world, right? You've got half the world. Half the world has boobs, half the world has tackle. What's the big deal? I mean, I know those people are going to want to look at her, but get over it, you know? I mean, it's th- yeah, where, where's your shame? Get over it. She's a lovely lady. Why do that to her? So you're saying she should be allowed to get them out if she wants, uh, and it's disgusting that someone has taken advantage of this to make a few quid. She's on a private holiday. But she's also, she's going to be the queen, Esther. She should be a little bit more responsible, shouldn't she? She's still got a life. Leave her be. Leave her be. But, but, Harry, leave be. But, the, but the life, the life doesn't have to involve... My wife doesn't get her, her boobs out on the beach. She doesn't have to do that. It's, it's, a, it's a small compromise, isn't it? Keeping covered up to be the queen of England. Well, I did in Devon. I went in the June, so I wouldn't offend anybody. Same as her, she was on a private holiday, not to offend anybody. Who gives the people right to take photos of her? Get lost. You're going to have a look at the, the, the pictures, aren't you? No, definitely not. Are you sure? I'm blooming positive, because it's disgusting. Leave her alone. Kate, there we go. Uh, uh, Esther, sorry, I apologise. There we go. Thank you very much there. Esther Milton Keynes, you know, who texted in. She's, uh, she's furious. I'm surprised that people are so angry. There is a lot of fury around this, isn't there? A lot of fury. You just asked, uh, heard me asking my production team, are we going to go to Gareth? We're going to go to Gareth soon. Uh, he's our reporter who's out in Welling Garden City to talk about this film that's being made. If, you, if you're nearby, uh, you can nip down to the Colonnade pub. We'll be speaking to him in a few minutes, and uh, there's, there's a chance that he, he might let you get on air. He looks terrifying, uh, but he's a, he's a giant. He's a gentle giant, I think. We, we can let him go. Uh, Bob has uh, emailed him. Ian, my wife Lynn often goes topless in our back garden and went on holiday and has done so all of our 33-year married life. I also know... Uh, oh! <laughs> dear! Sorry, Bob. Bob's having a dig at me. I also know she will feel very insulted by being referred to as common just because you have a hang-up about nudity. I don't have a hang-up about it. But be honest, Bob. I'm sure your wife is a very, very classy lady. But most of the people, most of the women you see topless on beaches are a little bit common, aren't they? They are a little bit common. I'm sure Jonathan Vernon Smith would agree with me on this. Well, maybe I'll ask him. But you, you don't, you, you very rarely see classy women topless on a beach. You never see a classy man topless in town. Any gentleman who, who thinks it's appropriate to be topless more than 500 yards away from the sea is not classy in the slightest. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. It's all hotting up on Twitter. Paul tw- uh, tweeted in saying that he, his partner loves to go topless, and on Sunday she went topless at a ruined castle. Well, his partner has just tweeted in saying, "Oh, I'm going to kill him now." Still smashing castle. <laughs> Fantastic! It's seven thirty. Let's get the latest news and sport now, and I should be listening intently with Catherine Boyle. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Great news report, Catherine. Thank you. 
Uh, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.32. Coming up in uh, the next half hour or so, more uh, on Kate Middleton. More on this filming in Welland Garden City, which I think is actually quite exciting. Uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost will be making their new movie there. And you all seem to be up for it, which is superb. And more of your calls and texts uh, on going topless. But, first of all... We're talking topless because of a topless Kate Middleton. The Duchess of Cambridge and future Queen of England could be seen in a French magazine topless later today. They're threatening to print the pictures after they were snapped last week whilst the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were holidaying in France. Paul Conyu is the former deputy editor of the News of the World, former deputy editor of the Daily Mirror and former editor of the Sunday Mirror. Morning, Paul. Good morning. A lot of formers there. What are you now? I'm a PR and media consultant. There we go. Well, I, I, I didn't want it to all sound like it was your whole career was in the past, which, which obviously it's not. What do you make of this, Paul? Um, well, I think it's a very, very different scenario, apart from the fact it involves royals and embarrassing photographs, to that of Prince Harry. Mm. I think this, this is a gross invasion of privacy, and all the British papers, including the Sun, of course controversially published the Prince Harry photographs from Vegas, have all, ter- have all turned this down. Also, Closer magazine, which is originally a British magazine, but it's now owned by the Bauer Group, who I think are German, they certainly, I don't think, have any intention of actually publishing it in their UK edition, because they, they actually have different national editions. Um, but I think it, what it, the real lesson about this, though, is that, is that although it's a gross invasion of privacy, the fact is that... <laughs> Unfortunately, one of the downsides of cyberspace, often the Wild West world of cyberspace, Mm. is that it's redefining the word privacy. Even though no mainstream publication in the UK is going to publish this, if the French edition of Closer puts it, you know, after it's come out on the newsstands, then puts it online, in fact, then it's going to be viewed by anybody around the world, including from the UK. Also, um, that it, even if they don't put it online, the fact remains that people can e- in, in France can, you know, buying it can easily scan it and then bounce it around to their friends via social media, etc. So, well, if the magazine goes out today it will be online within within an hour won't it easily Someone well, will do it. well assuming they put it on on their on their own website but even if they don't as i said that people will buy a, a hard copy from the newsstand and then scan it anyway and bounce it around to their you know around the internet have the french learnt nothing since princess diana it, it, it feels like we, we, we sort of haven't really moved on really in, in well, founding well, people like this well one of the things i'm puzzled about is that I mean, France has tougher privacy laws than the UK. Um, And I'm slightly puzzled as to why this is coming up in the French edition, in fact, of a German-owned former British magazine. Um, so that, 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 that is, that is curious. That is curious. I guess they know know the answer to that. the The royals are never going to sue, are they? Uh, well, there have been lawsuits in the past uh, abroad by the royal family, m- m- mainly over, if you like, unauthorised merchandising. You, mem- you remember in America they sued over uh, over various rather cheap, tacky uh, items and featuring you know, the image of Princess Diana. Mm. Um, but I think you know, no, the royals, so the royals may or may not sue. The o- I mean, the o- the only problem is though that. Um, suing afterwards on, only results in uh, in financial compensation, which the royal family hard, hardly need. What if what they would prefer to see these photographs, which were obviously taken with a lo- 
long lens by a paparazzi at a place where, you know, a, a private chateau owned by, you know, Lord Lindley, the Queen's nephew, that in fact, you know, that the, these were sneak photographs. The difference with the Prince Harry photographs, I think that was public interest, and I said back was sudden use of them, because A, they were all over the internet, B, they were taken by, they were taken not by paparazzi media photographers, but by instant so-called friend, newly acquired friends of the Prince, and they raised issues about his judgment, and also the role, all the performance of the Royal Protection Squad detectives who failed to actually protect him from himself. So I think they are, I think they are apart from the fact they do involve embarrassing photographs of members of the royal family, they're a very, very different circumstance. Paul, very quickly, she's um, been visiting mosques, she's in a, a country that has a high Muslim population. Is this going to cause problems for the rest of their tour? I don't think it will. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, the Muslim approach to nudity, etc., is very, is very different. I, I, I think, I think that certainly the people that we're meeting there are, are probably mature enough and delighted enough to see the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge that they are, they are. They are going to take the view that this that they are the victims of the prying lenses mm. uh, of intruders, in effect, not not of their own uh, of any moral lapse by the Duchess herself. Paul, listen, thank you very much. That's Paul Colnew there, who's a, a PR consultant, uh, former editor of various newspapers, talking about the topless pictures of Kate Middleton that uh, will um, no doubt be online at some point and some location today. What do you think? Are you offended? We've had a couple of callers, I'm surprised, who are disgusted by this magazine's attitude. I'm surprised by that. But what do you think? 08459 455 555. We've been hearing about filming taking place in Welling Garden City today for a new movie that's coming out next year. The World's End features the fantastic Simon Pegg and the equally brilliant Nick Frost. Stars from Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Filming will also be taking part in Letchworth at the Colonnade Pub. Our reporter, Gareth Lloyd, has gone to have a pint with landlord Paul Ward. Gareth, what's the pub like? Any good? Thank you very much, Ian. Yes, it is a lovely pub this morning here. Not open yet, obviously, to uh, the, the, the public, but uh, uh, you've got your, uh, your wooden bar, your pumps behind it, and uh, uh, quite a, a traditional-looking pub, I'd, I'd say. And I guess, uh, Paul, you're the landlord here, Paul Ward. Uh, is that maybe why they, they chose this pub? Uh, I would think so, yes. I mean, I'm imagining they're looking to try and go for the more traditional style rather than the modern flashing lights, shiny things. And uh, obviously that's what we very much go for here is the traditional old-fashioned feel of place. But it's going to be interesting because, I mean, you talk about you know, flashing lights and shiny things. That was their third film, wasn't it, Paul? The, 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 the Alien film, which was the, uh, the third of the, uh, the Simon Pegg and Nick Frost uh, uh, trilogy. So this will be a fourth one. And crazy things always happen in their films, don't they? Uh, yes, we've gone from uh, zombie infestations to uh, conspiracies in the middle of little villages and on to aliens. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what happens in this fourth one, how it's going to connect to the rest so, at all. Yeah, like Hot Fuzz, there are no conspiracies in Letchworth then the, this morning? Not that I'm allowed to tell you about, no. <laughs> so uh, do you know anything about the story? Do you know what they want to film here? Or? I don't. I, well, I know a little bit they've told us so far, which is that they're, um, the idea is they're supposed to be a group of friends uh, re- reuniting after 20 years apart. Uh, doing an epic pub call that they used to do back in their younger days, uh, and then reconvening at the pub that they called the World's End, the fabled last last pub of the, of the trek. Um, and then all it says at the end is it's this the least of their worries. So, so, so this could be so this is a pub crawl. So we know the story will be a pub crawl that they used to do. They're reliving it, and this may be one of the pubs on 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 the crawl. Yes, yes, I'd imagine so. I mean, I know that they're also speaking to one of the other pubs in the company, the the Cork in Welling Garden City. Um, 
So I'm imagining they've also spoken to several of the other pubs in Letchworth. I'm not sure which ones they've decided to use. But do, do you know how they chose this pub? Were they were they walking around one day and? Uh... Uh, as I understand it, they were they were deliberately going for the the more old-fashioned towns. Uh, I'm not sure if they were scouting for external locations to start with and they just decided to pop into the pubs whilst they're here but um, I know they went into the other pubs in town and popped in and uh, obviously has fitted more with what they wanted for the for the film so hopefully it'll be good now this morning you know when BBC Three Counties Radio turn up with my catering wagons my production my, my, my hair and beauty and makeup uh, trailers galore for all that it's a big production when we roll into town but a movie that's even bigger are you, are you ready for this? I think so yes I mean uh, Letchworth is always looking forward to having people coming in and, and, and seeing what it's like. It is a lovely little town, um, quite unappreciated in some ways, um, partly because it used to be a dry town, so obviously the pubs aren't really the main focus of it. But we're quite looking forward to having them come in and visit, and hopefully they'll enjoy themselves whilst and, they're here. And uh, do people enjoy themselves at this pub? Is it, is, is it a busy pub in Letchworth? I'd like to think so, yes. I, um, we have a good trade for the daytime, enjoy families coming in. Uh, over the night time of the weekend, we have a disco going with a DJ and a karaoke. It's quite a well-rounded place. How are you going to fit all this filming in, then? I don't actually know when, what time they're going to be coming in. I don't know if they're going to be, going to be doing the filming daytime or nighttime. Uh, we're still waiting for them to, to let us know what they need, really. So we'll see when they get when they let us know. Will it fit in? So I mean, I'm looking forward to your. You've got a, a festival coming up soon. A, a beer and ciders, is it? Yes, uh, we've had just had a cider festival that's just finished a few weeks ago, and we've got an ale festival coming up at the end of this month through through into late October. We, well, let's hope they don't uh, they don't clash with that. I hope not. They, you know, they might actually enjoy the ales. <laughs> I don't actually know what what, um, what Simon Pegg drinks. Are you a fan of Simon or Nick's work? Oh yes, definitely. I mean, ever since they did Spaced uh, the series back in the day and uh, through all the films right the way through including the modern ones Star Trek um, which I which I, being a sci-fi nerd I really enjoyed <laughs> um, but yeah it's, it's going to be great fun you're looking forward to it all coming into town then absolutely yes well you mentioned in the beers there is there one that I should be uh, trying this morning uh, we've just connected directors directors ailed today so you want to try, try one of those I'd love a pint Ian I'm going to have a pint of directors here we go and I'll, uh, I'll leave you for my, uh, for my morning breakfast. Thank you, Gareth. You're actually going to drink a pint at 7.43 in the morning? Oh, I will. Hang on, hang on. Oh! Oh! Oh, that's nice. That's got a kick to it, hasn't it, eh? That's, yeah. Anyone driving me home today? Yeah, you disgust me, Gareth Lloyd. I shall speak to you later and have strong words with you. Thank you very much. That's Gareth Lloyd there. 7.43 in the morning? He's having a pint. Excellent stuff indeed. I'm looking forward to that film. I do like... Uh, uh, I, I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead. I thought that was fantastic. Hot Fuzz? Uh, well, you know. Well, well, uh, you know. And Paul, I didn't get around to seeing, but um, they, they will be making their film there. And it is very exciting that they are doing so. You can give us a call this morning uh, about would you go topless? Have you been topless? We've got some texts on this. Uh, oh, dear. I, really? I, am I supposed to read these? Out? You've censored these, have you, production team? These are the censored ones. OK, we'll start with Nick. Whoever took them pictures of the princess is a total scumbag. I think he means scumbag. If any British paper prints the pictures of her, we should boycott it and not buy it. Hit them in their pockets where it hurts. Well, Nick, I think all of the British papers have kind of turned this down and said, no, thank you. I, I don't know if I can read this from, da- from day... I'm going to read it because it's been handed to me. So I'm assuming that these are OK. The production team are panicking now. Let's, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Let's just make sure that we've censored it properly. Do you know what? I'm going to move it on. Basically, Dave is saying, let's have a look at the pictures. 
You think it's all right to read it? Okay, I'm getting the thumbs up. The Duchess of Cornwall is a pair of boobs. Let the world have a perv and be done with it. She's a very beautiful woman. It should be seen as a compliment. It's not like it's Princess Anne. That's Dave from Sundown Park there. There we go. It's all right, okay. There we go. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double. I'm still, I'm still testing the waters of what I can and can't do here, and uh, it turns out I can do a lot more than I thought. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. It is 7.45. It's Friday, the 14th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. There will be no open-top bus parade through Milton Keynes for Olympic champion Greg Rutherford or any of the area's Olympians and Paralympians. A French magazine has stirred up a new row about royal privacy by saying it intends to publish topless photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. In sport, Woburn's Charlie Hull made a good start in her debut as the Women's British Open. Uh, at Hoylake, she's one shot off the lead, which is held by two South Koreans. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks. Drizzle at first, but then it'll brighten up. Top temperature is 19 degrees. And coming up after 8am, we'll speak to Greg Rutherford's father about the news that Milton Keynes Olympic and Paralympic athletes will not be honoured with a parade through the city. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be popping in in half an hour or so for a little chit-chat. Now, listen to this. I nearly won a million pounds yesterday. Yeah, I know. I went and had a lovely little lunch in St Albans. I had a ploughman's lunch. My first ploughman's lunch in about 20 years. In a lovely little cafe in St Albans. And then I went to the Saracens training ground. And I nearly won a million pounds because of my huge passion and interest for rugby. I say huge passion and interest. I got talking to, um, uh, to a guy called Alex Good. Apparently he's a really famous rugby man. I had no idea who he was. I said to him, what part do you play? He plays for England, apparently. You'll hear about it from him later on. Anyway, if you're at the Saracens match uh, at Wembley this weekend, you could win a million pounds, the largest spectator prize in sporting history. During half-time, a member of the crowd will try to catch three balls in a row. If they catch and keep hold of all three balls, the prize is a million pounds. Sounds easy? Well, I had a go yesterday, and you'll find out how well I did a little bit later on. But while I was there... I met a lovely 74-year-old who also had a go. I'm joined now by Tony. Tony, what's your association with the Saracens? I'm just a a law supporter. I've been coming here for the last uh, two years, and I enjoy every moment of it. You just had a go at this ridiculous catching the really high, fast ball thing. Yes. How did you do? I've done exceptionally well. I you, didn't, you didn't catch any? I didn't catch any, but, you know, because it's my first time I've ever ventured into doing a thing you've, like you've, that. You've cut your lip? Was you've that from this? It. Yeah, and I've also damaged my thumb in the, in the same process. That looks nasty. It is nasty. Well, you wouldn't like it, would you? Well, I, I deliberately uh, avoided Absolutely. the ball. It was... Can I ask you a question? Yes, certainly. How old are you, sir? 74. 74, and I'll be honest, you did do a lot better than me. You at least got near the ball. 74. <laughs> and I... I I've got eight, eight grandchildren and four great, great-grandchildren. Congratulations. And I'm going to Wembley to, to Saturday to see the, the, um, the Leicester game, and we shall, we shall thrash them. Are Saracens going to win? Oh, certainly. Brilliant. No problem at all. If you get picked to play for this million pounds well, on Saturday... I'm on the bench, but I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll make the 11 or, or the 14. <laughs> Is it the 14? The... You're speaking to someone who knows nothing. I've been speaking to this guy called Alex Good. Apparently he's quite Alex, famous. He's Alex, famous, is he? Alex is the cream of the crop. Is he famous in rugby? Alex is uh, top ma- the top man. What I see, what I like, what I see out on the pitch, I, I, I like. Does he, he plays for England, apparently? He plays for England, yes. It's, it's Charlie Hodgson plays for England. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Farrell plays yep. for England. Uh, Chris Miles plays for England. 
Well, listen, uh, have, a, have a great day on Saturday. Enjoy the match. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, by the way, I'm sitting next to the Queen. I've got a seat reserved with the Queen's. First Saracen 74-year-old supporter will be sitting with the Queen. Do say hello to her for, for me, won't you? Uh, certainly, uh, the Queen. <laughs> yeah. Arrange that for you. What a delightful fruitcake he was. What an absolutely charming gentleman he was. Wonderful. Hear how I got on at my attempt to catch and hold three rugby balls. And I'll I'll tell you this now. They were fired by this lethal-looking machine over a 100 feet into the air. See how I did a little bit uh, later on. Jen is in Royston. Morning, Jen. Hi. You've called in about Kate Middleton being topless. What's your take on this? Well, to be honest, I don't think it's anybody's business except hers and her family's. And there's something seedy and dirty, sneaky, schoolboyish about people who want to take photographs and publish them of a woman in a private moment. Well, you texted earlier on to tell us about this, and that's why we've called you back. Do you not think, though, that it's a big story? Because she is a member of the royal family. Yes, she also gets changed. She also goes to the loo. Are we going to take photos and publish that as well? Well, listen, if you can get a photo of the Queen on the toilet, I, b- I bet you'd get top dollar for that. The, the, our perception in this country has changed, hasn't it? Because y- ten years ago, fifteen years ago, this would have been the front page of uh, uh, all of the red tops, uh, uh, a topless royal. Uh, do you think it's good that we in the UK have kind of taken a step back from that? I'd like to think we've grown up, actually. OK. Uh, Jen, listen, <laughs> thank, you for th- thank you very much for that. <clears throat> Most of you seem, um, uh, well, Jen was a little bit calmer in her uh, 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 upset. Some of you are very angry about this, that this this has been done. But surely as as a royal, and as a very important high-profile royal, you have to be so careful. You have to be careful, because your life isn't like everybody else's life. It is privileged, and you are in a position of responsibility. You have to uh, exercise extreme caution at all moments. Surely there would have been an advisor there saying, do you know what, Your Majesty? I think you should cover them up. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. When was the last time you were topless? Uh, and do you mind if your partner goes topless? Turns out none of you do. You're all up for it. I've got a text here. Nick in Hitchin. Regards going topless, a lady friend of mine likes being topless. We often have a night in the buff. It's very liberating, relaxing in the nude. But she's a friend. Is she a friend or is she a, you know, friend, Nick? Because if she's a friend, then that's fine, because that would lead lead to, you know, shenanigans. But if she's just a friend, that's highly inappropriate. Isn't it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And Vic says the the wife went topless once, frightened the life out of the cat. For goodness sakes, come on, t- take this seriously, please. Now, why do so many people risk their health for the sake of their job? A new report in the medical journal The Lancet seems to confirm what we've long thought, that people who have highly demanding jobs are far more likely to have a heart attack. Andrew Steptoe wrote the report and says it's the biggest study of its kind. What we've found is that the combination of high demands at work, coupled with not having much control about how the work is organised, is the toxic uh, component, and that people who have high job strain are at increased risk for developing heart disease. We can talk now to Professor Carrie Cooper from Lancaster University. Good morning, Professor. Good morning, Ian. You've written about stress management. Stress isn't good for your health, but we kind of knew that, didn't we? 
Yeah, to be honest with you, we've had these. Uh, we've had so much data over the last, say, twenty years. There's something like about twenty thousand studies done globally showing workplace stress can damage your health, and it can damage your health in a variety of ways. I guess what's u- unique about this one is it's across seven countries. It focuses in on how stress at work, for example, how overloaded you are, how much lack of control you have over your job can affect heart disease, the risk of heart disease, and it shows it's 23% risk, uh, more likely risk of having heart disease if you have these kinds of things operating. So I think we've known that for quite a long time. What we really need to know more about is how we deal with it. You know, what do we do to change the work environment? I think here, there are things we can do. I don't think we have as many good managers as we need, whether it's in the private or the public sector. People who manage people by praise and reward, not by fault finding. People who recognize the symptoms of stress in their subordinates, that they're not coping with the overload. Uh, managers who actually engage their employees, make them give give them some autonomy and control over their job uh it's it's uh, give them more flexibility of work of of working because now with new technology people can work partly from home partly from a central office there are solutions to these problems and that's what we really need to focus in what works to prevent the heart disease or the mental ill health because stress of course more often causes uh, anxiety and depression probably than it does heart disease. Some people listening to this, uh, Carrie, will be saying, for goodness sakes, man up. Stress is what business is all about. What do you say to them? Yeah, they're right. You know, pressure is... There's nothing wrong with pressure. Pressure is stimulating and motivating. And not only that, think about what we have now. If fewer people in the work environment, they're doing more work than ever before. So pressures... And people quite like a certain amount of pressure. But when pressure exceeds your ability to cope... That's not good news because that does lead to ill health and we have the evidence. This is this is pretty strong evidence across seven countries looking over an eight-year period on what actually work does to your heart. And it is a risk to heart disease, to mental ill health, to immune system failures. So it is an, uh, uh, the, 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 the 21st century plague and we have to do something about it. Are we getting better at uh, re- recognizing s- stress signs in ourselves? Yeah, I think we are. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of work environments are recognizing it much more than ever before. You know why? Because if you look at the sickness actions, ac- um, absence figures in the UK, it used to be muscular skeletal disease, you know, backache and that mm. kind of stuff that that was the leading cause of sickness absence is now stress at work. So, the you know, uh, HR departments, managers are beginning to recognize the symptoms. What we have to tr- what we have to do is train managers just a bit more to recognize them and show them the better way to manage human beings because human beings now are under more pressure than ever before in the workplace given the recession and everything else. If we could do that, when we could reduce this risk factor by half easily. Okay. You mentioned that the, the, the managers have a huge responsibility to, to, to play in this. What can we do ourselves, Carrie? Are, are there things that we can do to kind of just take the stress off us a little bit? Yeah, I think there are things. For example, don't work consistently long hours. It's not good for you. Uh, shut your mobile phones off, your smartphones off when you go home and at weekends and don't do work constantly. Because what people are doing given the new technology, I mean, <clears throat> I go out with my kids, right? 
for a dinner when I'm in London. And what are they doing? Are they talking to me? Are they listening to me? No, <laughs> of course they're looking, not. They're looking at their lap. They're looking at their <laughs> smartphones. No, we don't need this. You know, our life is frenetic enough, and we don't need the new technology to interfere with our private life because we do need rest and recuperation from a long working day because we'd have the longest working hours in Europe. In the developed part of the world, the UK is just behind the United States in terms of long working hours. We don't need this. We, we, we need to work smart, not long. So there are things like that I think we ought to do. Make sure you go invest in your family, invest in your friends, and have a life. Gary, listen, uh, thank you very much. Professor uh, Gary Cooper from Lancaster University. The, the, cutting down the hours may be, may be hard, but the, switching the phone off at home is a great thing. And I'm just starting... Uh, that's, I'm just starting to do that at home. Never have mobile phones when we're having meals, definitely. That's, that's a no-no. And I'm just starting to learn to go home and switch it off, at least for a few hours, to get a break. Thank you, Carrie. Fascinating. Uh, Mary and Hemel's called in about stress. Good morning, Mary. Are you stressed? <laughs> not particularly, nah. but not at this particular time. But I would just like to say that I hear of all these people in management and whatever who have heart attacks and stress, but you never seem to hear of an MP dying from a heart attack. Would you like to? No, but you just never seem to hear of them having heart attacks, so I can only assume they don't suffer much stress. But there again, who would when they only work six months of the year? You're saying they should work, pull their fingers out and work a little bit harder. But the stress will do the politicians good. No, I'm just saying that oh. you, Now, think carefully. Yeah. They never, you never hear of any of them dying from a heart attack. I'll have a look into the statistics, Mary. Thank you very much. 08459-455-555 or text 81333-3CR. At Balcony Shirts has tweeted, British tabloid newspapers have turned down the opportunity to publish topless pictures of a Kate. Have I woken up in a parallel universe? It would seem like that, wouldn't it? We'll get your opinions on that after the latest news with Catherine Boyle. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just gone eight o'clock, here until nine, when Jonathan Vernon-Smith comes in and takes over. He'll be in in about 20 minutes or so to let us know what's happening on his show. But in the last hour of this show, Milton Keynes Olympic and Paralympic athletes, including gold medal winner Greg Rutherford, will not be honoured with a parade through the city. We'll hear from Greg's dad and Milton Keynes Council next. And the Duchess of Cambridge could be seen topless in a French magazine today. The pictures were taken while the Duke and Duchess were on holiday in Provence. I'm asking, when was the last time you went topless? How would you feel about your missus going topless? And are you really bothered about these pictures? Some of you have been very, very angry. You can text in 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, first of all, Milton Keynes Olympic and Paralympic athletes will not be honoured with a parade through the city. There was supposed to be a day of celebrations in Campbell Park. Instead, they'll be invited to a lunch reception at the Stadium MK before the MK Dons match against Crewe. But gold medal winner Greg Rutherford will not be attending. Peter Geary is the Cabinet Member for Sport and Milton Keynes Council. He joins me now. Good morning, Peter. Peter. Morning. Uh, this is a bit of a mess, isn't it? For the main event to recognise the Olympic achievements and Milton Keynes, and Milton Keynes gold medal winner, he's not going to be there. 
I, th- I think it's very difficult to try to organise an event where where you get everybody come along, and I, th- I think that that's proved to be very difficult to try and find a time when all of the athletes in Milton Keynes who took part in the Olympics could come along, and it's very regrettable that Greg couldn't be there, but. Uh, the mayor was in touch with Greg Rutherford's um, agent uh, soon after the Olympics, about the 18th of August, I think, to book in that date. And that was apparently booked in. Now, what's happened since then, I really don't know. Well, we spoke to a source within Greg's uh, PR camp, and they say they were contacted weeks after he won his gold when other athletes in other cities were contacted straight away. I say, I can't answer that. This is an event that's organised by the Mayor's Office. Um, the Mayor's Office is, is, is nothing to do with really what I, what I look about. It's a civic event. Any parade like this would be, or any thank you event, would be a civic event. And that would be something that would be organised by, by the Mayor's Office. So I don't know what happened there, apart from the fact that contact was made, I've been assured. Contact was made, the date was booked, and then something seems to have gone wrong. Obviously, Greg is still invited to, to this event, as in fact are all of the other athletes. And I think that's really important to know, because it's not just about... One person this is about all our athletes we had a number of athletes in both the olympics and the paralympics and whatever is organized has to represent all of them i think not just one we did hear earlier on that um that the initial event that was mentioned for milton Keynes that the paralympics paralympians weren't invited to that once again um i have been assured that they have been invited um and and that uh, those those invitations stand and they and they are very much hoping that as many of the athletes as possible will be coming along to the event that has now been organized so with big events like this how does the does the mayor's office engage with the council administration at all it seems odd that this is such a big thing and could be so could have been so positive for milton Keynes. it seems odd that it's been left entirely to the mayor it hasn't been left entirely to the mayor. It's been it's been left to the mayor's office, and the mayor has the the, the mayor's the mayor's team um, organise organise uh, the, would 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 have organised this event. Don't forget that after the last Olympics, although we had athletes there, there was absolutely nothing. In fact, we did have a um, have a have a, a medal winning um, Paralympian uh, at that event, and it was only myself actually when I contacted the mayor and tried to try try to highlight that there there there, there was an athlete that, that they were invited along to the uh, to, to 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 a council meeting, um, and that was that was was all we did so there was absolutely nothing had been organized in the past this is the first time that milton Keynes has done anything like this and it's, it's ended up a bit of a mess isn't it isn't it i don't, i think i think it could have gone a lot better i don't think anyone's saying it couldn't it couldn't have happened a lot better but once again trying to get nine or ten um athletes together we're in in at the um when when um they, they are off doing other things they're off competing they're, some of them are on holiday it's it's not at all easy to do that uh, th- 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 we heard from the mayor earlier on that, that one of the reasons cited for not having an open top bus tour was the problem with Milton Keynes roads. What is the problem with Milton Keynes roads? I, th- I, th- I think the issue is if you if you look at if you look at a number of um, many towns, um, you know the people walk along the sides of the streets and it's very easy to see people. Um, I think that's what some people have said that that wouldn't work in Milton Keynes. I don't actually agree with that. So if you look at the Red Bull event that was happened mm-hmm. last year, where we had um, you know sixty, seventy, eighty thousand people come along uh, you know that worked very well so i don't think it would necessarily be uh, that way is it true that greg's um uh, pr team and his agents uh, have suggested that because he is such a uh, so successful he warranted an individual event like other gold medal winning athletes 
I don't know whether they've done that. I would hope they wouldn't say that because I don't. I don't really think that's the case. I mean, if you look at the event in London, they didn't just have here is the float with all the gold medal winners on and forget everybody else. They had all of the athletes there, all of them invited. Now some couldn't come because they were they were off uh, competing elsewhere or they'd gone on holiday or other issues there. But that was an event that was combined the Olympics and the Paralympics. Perfectly correct thing to do, even though some people said there should have been one just for the Olympics and another one for the Paralympics. I think it was right to to try to combine those two events, and I think it was right to honour all athletes who competed uh, not just those who won now there will be other things come up, come ahead in the future i'm sure that will that, that will particularly look at what greg rutherford has done and making sure that is honored in milton Keynes. um well, you, mentioned, you mentioned that peter because his pr camp again have said that that, that, that greg uh, if something can be done on another date they're keen to work with someone at the council to deliver an open top bus tour peter w- w- will you step in and uh, sort this out for the people of milton Keynes? i think i think there's a number of people who will be talking and frankly i'll be doing my best uh, as will the leader and a number of other people on the council to try to make sure we can do something um but i think we also probably need to look at doing something far longer term a red top bus tour would last a few hours perhaps actually we need to look at something about how we can ensure this this goes forward for the much longer term so we can actually remember the achievements that greg has done far 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 into the future that last years not merely just 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 a few hours now a red top bus tour would be absolutely fine if we could do it but we also need to start looking at maybe we could (coughs) Maybe we can uh, give a scholarship to, uh, to, 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 to a young athlete who's going to be able to step into Greg's footsteps in the future. Maybe we look at, uh, you know, many people have come up with ideas of a, of a statue in Milton Keynes um, uh, to, to, to demonstrate that. There's, there's a whole range of other issues, other things, other ideas that have been coming forward. That OK, might... Peter, well, listen, sorry, sorry to move on. We're running out of time. Thank you very much. That's Peter Geary, who's the Cabinet Member for Sport and uh, Milton Keynes Council, uh, talking about the, uh, the situation with Greg Rutherford. Well, we can uh, get a little bit closer to the horse's mouth than that. Uh, we've got Greg's father, Andy Rutherford, on the phone. Morning, Andy. Good morning. What do you think of Milton Keynes' handling of this whole thing? Uh, to be quite honest with you, I'm not overly impressed. Um, it's been sort of such a long time, relatively speaking, since Greg, you know, achieved what he achieved. And I think, basically, they've missed a trick, really. Um, if you're trying to inspire young people, um, particularly the people of Milton Keynes, then surely having an open-top bus ride would have been sensible um, in terms of the young people that can actually see Greg as being a relatively normal guy. They could meet him, they could get autographs, etc., and realise that maybe it could be attainable for them mm. in the future to, to become somebody like Greg. And it, it's somebody that's not untouchable, somebody that you can actually physically see, you can talk to, and realise that you can still achieve well and still be a decent person. Greg won his gold medal on uh, the 4th of August. Uh, I think we just heard there that, that his agency was approached on something like the 18th of August. That seems a huge gap when other gold medal winners were approached, you know, pretty much the next day. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know the exact dates myself because I'm part of his, sort of, his, his team that works around him. Um, what, what I do seem to, to get the impression is that whether the Mayor's office really appreciate the achievement of what winning an Olympic gold medal is... I mean, for example, we haven't had an Olympic long jump in this in Great Britain for 48 years, and an Englishman has never won one ever. Welshman that won one previously, Lynn Davis. So it is a major, major achievement. We've got 63 and a half, nearly 64 million people in this country, uh, and on that day, Greg won a gold medal. He was the only person out of 63, 64 million people that won the gold medal. And if you look at it on a worldwide scale, there's 7 billion people in the world. And on that particular day, Greg was the best at long jump in the world. Mm. So I think it really almost demands to have 
you know, some recognition. And I'm not taking anything away from the other Olympians and Paralympians because every, all of them, each and every one of them, worked exceptionally hard just to get to the Olympics. But then to win a medal on top of that, it goes to another level. He's got a gold post box. That's something. Uh, and also he's got the, the parade in Woburn Sands on the 28th of September. Are you going to pop along to that? Yeah, definitely. My wife and I will go to that. Yeah, I mean, we really appreciate what Sands have done. I mean, Greg's lived in Woburn Sands for four years, and it seems great that the local town council there can come up with something, you know, and, and sort of fill the breach effectively, whereas yeah. Greg's lived actually in Milton Keynes area for his entire life, and 21 years of, of that was in Bletchley, and yet um, the, the Milton Keynes Council seem to have dragged their heels a little bit as regards making a decision that, you know, <laughs> that, 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 so people can actually sort of enjoy it with Greg. <laughs> well, Andy, listen, enjoy the 28th. It's, it, we spoke to someone from Woburn Sands, and it sounds like they've organised a fantastic day. It's Andy Rutherford there, uh, Greg Rutherford's uh, dad, and we have to make it clear, of course, those were Andy's opinions, and not those of Greg. Just so we, he was, was speaking from his own heart and his own mind. Um, the texts uh, on uh, Kate Middleton. Dave said, isn't it time we cut the heads off the royals? Wait, David, come on. Ian Ware says, uh, why can't this paparazzi scum be prosecuted? Second time the word scum has been used here. After all, if a dirtbag is caught using a camera or mobile phone in a swimming pool changing rooms, they're nicked. What? The EU should step in as they do with all our legislation. It's a clear breach of privacy. And then Marilyn has texted him with a, with a very generous offer. Morning. To save Kate's embarrassment, the press can print pics of me topless instead. Would that work? Well, who knows? It's 8.15. It's Friday the 14th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. There will be no open-top bus parade through Milton Keynes for Olympic champion Greg Rutherford or any of the area's Olympians and Paralympians. A French magazine has stirred up a new row about royal privacy by claiming it's about to publish topless photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. In sport, Woburn's teenage golfer Charlie Hull is one shot off the lead at the Women's British Open at Hoylake. We'll have weather in a few minutes with Steve Weston and coming up after 8.30, we'll be speaking to our young Strictly Come Dancing reporters ahead of the show starting this weekend. BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll whip them into shape, Jonathan. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is in the studio with me this morning. You've got a lovely cup of a hot drink there oh, geez, a nice for yourself. Didn't bring me one. Bit no. rude. <laughs> bit rude there. Well, 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 do you want me to bring you one every day? It's cup, uh, not, yes, a cup of tea would be... Well, yes. I do. It's unlikely to happen, but well, uh, I'll, I'll perhaps every now and then. When's your birthday? <laughs> June. <laughs> oh dear. Oh shucks. Then <laughs> <my> next year. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever actually heard anyone say the word shucks before. Really? Yeah. Oh gosh. What are you up to this weekend, Jonathan? I, I, I imagine that I'm, I'm going to use these little bits when you come in to find out more about your life because I, I really think doing? that we could be friends. Um, you you, you want to be my friend? I'd love to. Really? I really think we'd get on. Do you want to come to one of my candlelit suppers? I don't want to do that. Why not? Well... What is it about my candlelit suppers? They're very boozy affairs. Uh, well, <laughs> that, that worries me slightly. <laughs> You're worried about car keys, aren't you? That's what it is. <laughs> is it... Is it... We, we've spoken to some people today who I think are swingers. Uh, is it anything... No. I'm not, uh, I'm not into swinging. Good. There's no pampas grass outside my flat. So what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> Well, I'm working tomorrow. Not many people will get that reference, by the way. So, <laughs> some will, I do. Yes, go on. Uh, yeah, I'm working tomorrow morning. Yes. Um, I'll probably go out for a slap-up meal tomorrow night. Okay. I like to go out for dinner on a Saturday very often. Lovely. Sunday, well, I'll have chores. Okay. I thought, I, I thought it'd be an interesting answer. Sorry, yes. I do apologise. Well, you know, uh... Topless uh, women 
Yes. Common, aren't they? Well, you've been saying this. My mother used to go topless. My mother wasn't common. When did she go topless? Well, Around when, the house? Well, no, don't be silly. I mean, that is just a bit strange. But, no, when we were on... If we used to go on holiday yes. to a Mediterranean country, yeah. she'd sometimes go topless. But that was the 70s. That was, that was popular then, wasn't it? Uh, that, yeah. I mean, that was like the fashion to do it then, wasn't it? It was everyone was topless in the seventies. We, we've kind of got a bit more sensible now in the twenty-first century. Well, we used to take the Mickey out of her actually because she'd be lying there on a sun lounger. We'd say, "Oh, got your boobies out again," and uh, she'd like she oh shut up. She used to say, but she was happy. <laughs> What's on the show this morning? Well, <laughs> she was happy. She got was. your boobies out again, Mum. <laughs> shut up, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> you can picture it now, can't you? Yes, I can. Uh, coming up, well, we are continuing with this story on the big phone in this morning. Good. Does that surprise you? Not in the slightest. No. We're doing all the hard work for you these I days. I know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Coming up at nine, was Kate Middleton wrong to go topless? I mean, I guess there is an argument to say she will one day probably be the queen of this country. Mm. Now, to go around topless on holiday... In the belief that nobody, no paparazzi, are swinging from trees in the middle of the woods trying to take a snap. Was she being rather naive and rather stupid? Or do you think it's outrageous that these photos were taken and it's absolutely outrageous that a magazine in France has decided to publish them? I want your views on this from Nine. Was Kate Middleton wrong to go topless? It's the big phone in this morning from Nine. I I love the way you say outrageous. Do you? Because you kind of build up to it. Outrageous. <laughs> you build up to it like that. <laughs> powerful. Right. You, I, I'm surprised you haven't commented on my attire today. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. See you later on. Jonathan Bernard-Smith uh, will be on at nine o'clock. Was Kate Middleton wrong? There he goes cackling out of the studio. Was Kate Middleton wrong? to go topless you can uh, tell jonathan at nine o'clock uh, <laughs> it does make me chuckle i do apologize uh let's speak to maria in offley about these pictures of kate uh, maria are you angry i am indeed why well they've breached the security and they shouldn't have been doing what they did are they going to try and do this like they did to, to diana I don't think they breached security, because I would imagine that they were in a boat. They've got very good cameras these days. They were in a boat probably about a mile off of the shore. Mm. I still think they shouldn't have done it. Are you going to have a look? No, because I do art. I know all about it. I do art, and art is very beautiful. And so is Kate Middleton. Maria, thank you very much indeed, then. Now, self-employed people in the three counties are seeking debt advice more than ever before. Research from debt management company PayPlan shows that overall, 314 people are declared insolvent or bankrupt every day. Wow. While taxi drivers, hairdressers and other self-starters have an average debt bill of £38,000. Ben works as a self-employed personal trainer across Hertfordshire before he started his personal training business. Ben found himself struggling to keep afloat when his first business idea failed. I had to scrap my first sort of dream quite quickly within six weeks um, because I realised that the way I was doing it wasn't quite right and it was going to lose a lot of money. And I can easily see how people can 
keep going with an idea and going. For me, I think I did the right decision at the time because I know I don't have money behind me that I had to cut what I did quickly. I was new to business, so I had a plan A and that was kind of it, really. That didn't work out and I did the right thing to cut it when I did because there wasn't any kind of strategy in place to change it at the time. But now I would make sure that I probably fought through all the angles possible and if first thing you do didn't go right then you've got something else to try some backup plans so what are the options for the growing numbers of self-employed people worried about debt joining us to discuss this further is nick payne a financial expert from pay plan morning nick morning Navin. what does your research show about self-employed people in our area seeking insolvency at pay plan we offer free advice to over 100,000 people every year there's 131,000 self-employed people in the three in the three counties and we've seen a 600% increase in self-employed people needing debt help as you say that's taxi drivers hairdressers um, and so forth why has there been such a big increase in this group seeking financial advice i think it's mainly due to the recession many people have lost their jobs in the re- um, due to the due to the recession and become self-employed to try and make ends meet why aren't people seeking financial advice earlier? Surely that would, would be beneficial, and a lot of them appear to be leaving it too late. It does appear to be the case. Many people who approach us wish they'd approached us sooner, but it's very, very difficult to admit that they're having financial difficulties and pick up the phone or go online to try and try and seek, seek some help. But it's really important they do that because it can help protect their home and protect the, protect the businesses rather than creditors taking action against them. What are the common misconceptions, Nick, about insolvency? Main misconceptions is that you'll lose your home and or you'll lose your business or you'll lose your assets. Actually, that's not the, that's not the case. By seeking help sooner... We aim to protect people's assets at home and allow them to continue trading in. And what are the options that are available to people listening today? Well, there's um, really three main options. Um, the first two do protect the home and do protect the business. There's an IVA, which allows someone to pay the debts back over a five-year period. And after that time, what not, what's not been paid in has been written off. There's that management plan, which is a, an affordable monthly payment till the debt's been paid off. Or the last resort, which is bankruptcy, which normally we don't recommend for self-employed people because it affects their home and affects their business, which is the last thing people want. Nick, thank you very much there. Interesting advice uh, for small businesses and independent businesses. Uh, Nick Payne there, giving you advice. If you do find that you're in trouble, you've got to go and get help as quickly as you can. That, that's the key, isn't it? You've got to start speaking to people, to your banks, to an independent financial advisor, to, to people, as quickly as you can before it spirals out of control. That seems the obvious thing to me. Talking about Kate uh, Middleton, topless pictures. Um, and uh, you can give us a call on that 08459 455 555. It turns out all of you are topless most of the time, you mucky pups. There is a nudist place near here, and I'm kind of tempted to get in touch and see if I can pop along for a day. I'm worried about nudism, though, partly because it seems, ooh, it just seems odd. But also, what if you go along and, you know, something happened? Well, you, what, how, you, I don't know the etiquette. Anyway, you've, some of you have texted in, 81333, starting your texts, uh, 3CR. Adam says, forget topless pictures of the Duchess of Cambridge, it's bottomless ones of her sister that we want. Oh dear, oh dear. Is it, it, I've been here a little over a week, and it's already descended into loaded FM. Can we, can, can we raise the bar a little bit, please? Above the waist, for goodness sakes. And Helena says, uh, isn't the tree climber a peeping Tom? Off with his head. Better still, don't buy the magazine. Well, this is the thing. It'll be interesting to see how these photos were taken. Was it someone up a tree? Um, I I imagine it was on a yacht, half a mile out to sea. Veronica is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Veronica. 
Good morning, Ian. How what, are you? I'm all right. I'm getting there. What's um, your take on this? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Oh, I, I just thought, doesn't everybody go topless? Do they? Well, I certainly do. My wife doesn't. And my goodness, I'm sort of in my late 50s now, and I never, ever, ever shuddered at the thought. It's natural. But when you were a young girl, a younger woman, wasn't it was still a little bit raunchy back then, wasn't it, to do that? Uh, it was, but you have to be a pace setter, don't you? Wow. Because if, if one person's going to do it... I can remember being on a, a beach in um, Alcudia in Mallorca, mm. and there was this big, fat German woman, nothing against German people t- at all, of course, and I thought, she's big, she's got a huge bust, she's got tyres all round her, and if she can do it, why can't I, when I was a nice, young, slim... and relatively attractive person. But, Veronica, I don't want to see that on the beach. Why not? Oh, for goodness sakes, men. no! Men? The thing is, when I'm, on, when I'm on the beach with my wife, even if I wanted to look at topless women, which I don't particularly, I can't, so I have to really focus when I'm with my wife on walking ahead and looking ahead and not moving. It's a real stress not to get caught having a peep. You don't help, Veronica. You make things worse. Oh. <laughs> oh, do that noise again. I'm sorry. <laughs> do that noise again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, for, Veronica. Thank yeah, you very much you, for calling. You, you think about it, Ian, though. All sorts of men. All sorts different of Different shapes and sizes. Yeah. Nothing different. Would you ever... Go, okay, very quickly, before we go to the travel. Would you ever go nude? Yes. Have you? Yes. Thanks for calling. <laughs> thank you, Veronica. I love this. You're all so honest. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, here until nine o'clock when Jonathan Vernon-Smith takes over. Uh, It's been a mixed show this morning and we've got some uh, very angry texts uh, about the whole Greg Rutherford situation, I think we're calling it now. So we'll we'll, we'll read those out a little bit later on and uh, some more bits and pieces, but... Before that, very excitingly, for some of you, Strictly Come Dancing returns to our screens tomorrow. It's complete with a fresh crop of uh, celebrity contestants, including Bedfordshire's Victoria Pendleton, Firm Britain, Jerry Hall and Johnny Ball. People singing there. Listen. There are people singing in that. I'd never noticed that before. Well, we uh, um, auditioned, and I use that term very, very loosely, a couple of days ago for um, young people under the age of 10 to call in and be our Strictly Come Dancing reviewers. Basically, it means I don't have to watch it on a Saturday night. You lot can do it and then tell me about it on the Monday. Uh, and we had everybody that phoned in was so superb, we couldn't choose to. So now we have a, a pool of six Strictly Come Dancing correspondents who will speak to a, a different pairing each Monday and find out what they thought of the show. First up is Kiana. Good morning, Kiana. Hi. How are you? Are you excited that you are our very, very first Strictly Come Dancing correspondent? Yeah, definitely. Well, could you sound excited? Uh, yeah. Hey! That's better. That's more like it. You should have been prompted before we came on air. I'm joking, of course. And your your sister Sienna will will uh, speak to you in a little bit. Now, just remind us, Kiana, uh, how old you are, whereabouts you're from, and what do you do for a living? Um, I'm I'm ten, 
Um, I live in St Albans and I go to Sandwich School. Fantastic. I went to St Albans yesterday. I had a nice walk around and a lovely um, ploughman's lunch. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited by that, as was I. And Kiana, you are a huge fan of Strictly Come Dancing, aren't you? Yes. How, how big a fan are you? Uh, huge. Okay, how huge? Uh, enormous. Okay, good, that's what I want. Uh, it starts tomorrow night. Are you excited? Uh, definitely. Okay, so th- this is, we're going to speak to you on Monday morning, you and your sister Monday morning. This will be your first report. And, and what I want from you, Kiana, is I, yep. wanna get, I want you to be able to, on Monday, to, to sum up the, the emotion, the excitement, the passion, and don't just spend five minutes describing the dresses to me, will you? No. You sure? Yes. I want you to keep an eye out for who you think the winner's going to be. I want your favourites. I want your least favourites. Um, and I, I want all of the emotion. Can you do that for me? Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Are you regretting taking this job on? Probably, yeah. <laughs> well done, you. Bless you. Can I speak to Sienna? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Now, Sienna is Kiana's sister. Hello, Sienna. Hello. Hello, Sienna. How are you today? Yeah. Can you remind uh, all of the listeners how old you are, please? Seven. Seven years old, and uh, just tell us what your favourite subject at school is. ICT. ICT. That's computers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we go, you see. I, so, I used to go to school once, Sienna. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, get, get this, Sienna. This is how old I am, right? When I started going to school, they didn't have computers in school. Oh. It's because it was in the old times. In the old-fashioned times. <laughs> You're right, it's because it was in the olden days. And when I was a... Get this, Sienna, when I was a boy, everything was in black and white. We didn't have colour. Yeah, because... I, you're very old. Thank you. So, <laughs> Sienna, how excited are you, on a scale of one to ten, about the new series of Strictly Come Dancing? Nine. Oh! And what are you looking forward to the most? Um, the dressing. Because I know they're going to be new, new dresses. New dresses. Okay, well, listen, what I want on Monday when we speak to you, Sienna, is I want passion, I want excitement, I want enthusiasm. Uh, can, Can you do all of those things? Yeah, and I think the dresses will be from next. You think the dresses that the girls that uh, on Strictly Come Dancing, they're going to come from next? Yeah. What makes you think they're going to come from there and not TK Maxx or something? Uh, I don't know. I think... Because, because next has lots of pretty dresses. Uh, and now I work at the BBC, I have to say, so do many, many other stores, including British Home Stores and CNA. Uh, Sienna, it's, it's wonderful to speak to you. Um, have a lovely weekend, and I'm looking f- forward to speaking to you on Monday. OK. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Oh, oh um... Yes? Ian? Yes, hello. Um, my swimming went really great. I forgot to ask, of course, you were going to have your first swimming lesson this week, weren't you? It, it, it went well, did it? Yeah. Did you have armbands? No. You, and, and, and can you swim now? No. How long you do you still... think? How long uh, do you yes. think it will take you to learn to swim? Um, about eight lessons. Okay, and you're having one lesson a week. Um, yeah. Wonderful. It's, all, it's on Wednesdays afternoon. No, Wednesday morning. Okay. 
Thank you for that uh, detail. A production team, write down eight weeks' time. We're going to speak to Sienna and find, uh, find out if she can swim. Okay? Listen, best of luck. Lovely to talk to you. Have a lovely weekend, and we will speak to you both on Monday. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yes, I am from the olden days. I am very, very old. Uh, Anna's on the line. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Where about are you calling from, Anna? Um, old Wellin. Old Wellin. Are you excited about this filming that's going to take place with uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg? Yeah, I only kind of found out about it yesterday, but I think it sounds uh, sounds really good. Sounds good for the area. They're good. Their films are good. I, I, I enjoyed um, Shaun of the Dead more than all of the others, so it, it, yeah. it'll be exciting to see what they what they do. do you, we had someone phone up earlier on that said that Wellin was actually was quite dull and nothing goes on there. I can't believe that for a <laughs> second. Is that true? I don't think that. I think uh, it's a beautiful place. There's lots. I think there's lots to do here. Give us Definitely. give us give us three things that you can do in Wellin. Three things that you can do in Welling. Well, you can go shopping. That's a that's a good thing to do, I think. Okay. I don't know if that, I don't know if that counts. As, I don't know if that counts. You can go shopping anywhere. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll include that. Yes, you can go shopping. Um, we've got we've got you know lovely restaurants and some nice bars. We've yep. got um, got lovely places to go for long walks in the countryside. Perfect. Um, horse riding, those sorts of things. Outside, outdoor stuff, I'd say. It sounds perfect, Anna. Why, why would anyone complain about such a place? Exactly, exactly. So are you going to go down and watch some, see if you can see some of the filming? Yeah, I'd like to. I'm actually a drama teacher, so it'd oh. be... Uh, oh, Anna, <laughs> this, yeah, could, this could be your big break. You could, if you get a little song and dance... Set, r- get a little song and dance routine, and when they all come out and, uh, to their, <laughs> and head to their Winnebago's for lunch, just do a little routine. You could get a part in the movie. I do know. I might do that. I might just pop down there. Do it, do it, and let us know how it goes. Anna, thank you very much. Best of luck. There we go. It's uh, Anna talking about the filming that's... Um, that's going to be taking place in Welland Garden City with uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, who are both excellent, aren't they? And as I said earlier on, I have seen Simon Pegg completely nude and, and spoken to him while I've been sat down and he's been stood in front of me in the nude. It's not a nudist thing. We were in the gym and I sort of, I, I, I sort of used to know him to, well enough to say hello to and that's it. He was getting in training for hot fuzz and he was at the gym every day uh, to try and get kind of buff. And he did get very buff. Um, okay, talking about uh, Greg Rutherford and uh, the uh, Milton Keynes' failure to organise an open-top bus uh, tour for Greg. There are two things here. <clears throat> One, it seems, come on, how difficult is it to organise? Surely the moment he won that, uh, that gold medal, someone from the mayor's office should have said, we should, we should phone his agent up right now, guys. No one did that. Uh, but also, th- th- do we need to celebrate the Olympics anymore? Have we, have we done it? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. My mind isn't made up on that. We had an exclusive earlier on. We had uh, Greg Rutherford's dad on, uh, talking about his feelings. And he's, he's quite angry, as, as a lot of you are, including uh, Will uh, in Milton Keynes, who's texted him. Milton Keynes Council is failing its community and all our athletes. Part of the downward slope which has started in the last few years. MK Council is skint and has got no money for civic events and community services. An event in the MK Shopping Centre would have been great. Good publicity for Milton Keynes and would have attracted lots of visitors. Disgusting. And it turns out that a lot of you, I did put the question out earlier on, you know, should we let it lie now? The Olympics has happened, should we move on? Do we need to pat these people on the back anymore? And not one of you uh, that I've uh, been made aware of has said, yes, actually, we should. All of the texts and emails that have been put in front of me are saying, actually, this is pretty poor show. You know, of course we should celebrate these people. There is a celebration uh, happening uh, for Greg. It's not happening in Milton Keynes. And also these things surely would be quite good 
for business, wouldn't it? If you do it in, in a place where there are shops, then people will go and shop, won't they? People will turn out and will go and spend a few quid, you would think. Another 16, 18 minutes of the show, 08459 555555. Uh, and we've also been talking about um, Kate Middleton, the possible nudie photos that are going to be published uh, later on today. Ben in Buckingham says, who cares if Kate has her boobs out? As after all, we all have naked bodies. I don't. If you've seen one pair of boobs, you've seen them all. Well, I, I, Ben, I'm not sure. That's completely true. And Dave in Luton. Dave, I don't know if you're the type of person I want listening to this show, really? Are we allowed to ask people not to listen? <laughs> Kate Middleton, topless photos, bring them on. She's not queen yet. Would love to have them printed. <laughs> oh, David, David, David. Can we do, on Monday, th- this Friday show has kind of s- sunk a little bit into slightly ladsy territory. On Monday, can we, can we do like an, art, an arty show? Can we do something a bit cultural? Let's, let's, let's bring... I've been here, what, a week, just over a week, and already we've sunk beneath the belt. We've sunk into gutter. On Monday, let's, let's raise the standard again. Let's, let's, let's kind of, you know, aim for, aim for the... What is it? Aim for the moon, and you might just hit a tree or something. I don't quite remember the saying. It's something like that. There's something vaguely inspirational. You can get your texts in uh, about this and, uh, of course, any of the things we're talking about. 81333. I advise you to start your texts 3CR. Or you can call 08459 455 555. Um, it's the telephone number. You can tweet as well, but the, the, some of the, the, the potty mouth people that are on Twitter, it, 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 uh, it, it shocks me. Absolutely shocks me. We had one guy tweeting who, who took his wife to a, a, an old rundown castle at the weekend, and she went topless there. Is that a thing? Is that a thing to go to places of historical interest and take your tops off and get photos done? I don't know. It does confuse me slightly. I'm Listen, I like to keep... I like to keep my clothes on. I like to keep covered. You know, I'm, I'm very simple when it comes to things like that. It is 8.45. It's Friday, the 14th of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Greg Rutherford's father says the lack of an open-top bus parade through Milton Keynes for the champion suggests the council underestimate the importance of winning Olympic gold. A French magazine has caused a new royal privacy row by saying it intends to publish topless photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. In sport, Woburn's 16-year-old amateur golfer Charlie Hull lies one shot off the lead of the Women's British Open in Hoylake. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks drizzle at first, but then it'll brighten up. Top temperature is 19 degrees. And coming up before 9am, find out how I nearly won a million pounds yesterday. Oh, yes. BBC Three Counties Radio. I, I say nearly, I came nowhere near I'm not a dog owner, I'm a cat owner And as I said a few few days ago She has used my son's bedroom like a toilet While we were on holiday The reason is, I blocked up the cat flap by mistake my, I know, it's disgusting I'd accidentally blocked the cat flap up um, so that you never block a, cat's, uh, a cat flap. It's terrible. It would just get you. It's a terrible business. But so she's used the, the, his bedroom like a toilet, and it still stinks of wee wee in there. It really, really stinks, and I can't get rid of it. And I've used you know the the, the, the Febreze and the, the cleaning fluids and stuff. And it, oh my god! Luckily, it's not my bedroom. Otherwise, I would I would move house. It's my son's. He's two and a half. He doesn't know. But you know, really, it's most unpleasant. Ah, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Now, I very nearly won a million pounds yesterday. Yeah, well, it's all thanks to my huge passion and interest uh, in rugby. 
I, I didn't actually nearly win a million pounds, but I got to, to play the game that could win you a million pounds if you go to the Saracens match at Wembley this weekend. It's the largest spectator prize in sporting history. Basically, what is going to happen is during half-time, a member of the crowd will try to catch three balls in a row. Now, they need to catch the balls and keep hold of all three balls, and then the prize is one million pounds. Imagine that. Sounds easy, doesn't it? I tell you what, it was terrifying, to be honest. I'm at the Saracens training ground, old Albanians. I'm with Alex Good. What part? I, I don't know rugby. What part do you play? Uh, well, I'm a fullback for Saracens, so generally I do quite a lot of high balls and catching, so I should be quite good at this. Explain um, this thing. This is win a, catch a million pounds that's <laughs> happening on Saturday at Wembley. How does it work? Uh, basically, uh, a game at Wembley on Saturday at half-time. They'll have this machine, as you can see here, which has been used for American footballs before and cricket, similar to a cricket ball machine. And it fires balls up at about, well, you know, 90, 100 feet, maybe higher. Sorry, how high? Uh, we're talking about 100, 125 feet, we reckon. joking. Um, and basically you have to catch one ball, keep it in your hand, catch two balls, keep it in your hand, keep, catch the third ball while the other two balls are in your hands. If you do that, you win a million pounds. So As simple as that? Well, yeah, I know. Richard Wigglesworth has proved that, you know, it's, it's not too tough and he did it quite comfortably, so... So if I get one ball... It's ten. It's a thousand. Yep. Two balls, ten. Yep. And then if you catch that golden third, then boom, there you are, a million pounds. Have you got any tips? I'm, listen, I'm a very fragile man. I'm not very sporty. Be, Have you got any tips for very me? Very simple. Be brave. Yes. And keep your eye on the ball. Okay. You only get one chance of this ever. One chance. Make it. Make it count. So hang on, just uh, introduce Scott Murphy here. You're the ball man. I'm the ball man. Ball I am man. the official. The official ball, ball man for a million pounds. Ready? Come a bit closer, Paris. Yeah, the first one. He ain't getting one. So, I don't think, yeah, we don't think he's going to get one. Okay, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take money. Oh, here I'll it goes. Balls up, balls up. He's spinning hard. Oh, hello. Oh, he's oh. dropped down. He, I think oh, he's broken yeah. his finger. Next ball coming. Next finger. Next oh, wow, wow. He looks like he's in pain. This is what's going to happen. Someone's going to break the nose at the weekend. Here we go. Oh, oh that's very high. Oh, that's about, that's about 80 metres. Oh, no. Oh, no, he's run out of the way. He's bowled it. Oh, dear. Oh, one more to come. One more. Any more actual balls? Uh, and here it goes. Last ball. He ran out of the way of the last one, so... Come on. Here it goes. Easy one here. Run to it, run to oh, it! Oh, hello! Oh, and he hasn't even touched it. Wow. Uh, you, can, you can tell he hasn't been much of a player and uh, no money for him there. Warwick, what do you think, mate? No, I don't think he's up to it on, on Saturday at Wembley. No, not in danger. Listen, lads, come on. I heard, you, I heard someone there saying he bottled it. I didn't bottle it. You, you did move out the way. You did move out the way. Like, no, you, I, last minute. It wasn't a deliberate move out of the way. It just looked like it was travelling really, really fast towards it, my face. It, yeah, well, that, I told you to be brave, didn't I? Words of, words of advice were, be brave and keep your eye on the ball. Seriously, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good do you think I was? Uh, 4, 4, you tried. God loves a try. Thanks very much. Well, best of luck on Saturday. Well, there you go. I'm absolutely shattered. I tell you what, that goes really fast. One of those balls scraped the tip of my fingers. <laughs> And it really, really hurt. This is what I like. Being humiliated in front of 20 big, beefy rugby players. Yeah, great. Best day of my life. Thanks very much. Right, the thing is, right, no, no the thing is, I'm not a bottler, okay? Uh, that ball went, it goes about 120 feet in the air. It's a rugby ball, which is a tough ball. And it, it goes really fast. I reckon it was doing like 500 miles an hour or something. It was so fast. And one did brush my finger and it really hurt. It really, really hurt. It was awful. 
And yes, to clarify, I did ask Alex Good, the world-famous England rugby, rugby player, what part he played in the game. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. I don't know anything about rugby. And uh, Alex Good was kind enough to uh, to uh, guide me through it. And he was there, a lovely gentleman down there. Uh, there is video of that. If you'd like to watch the video of me humiliating myself. Uh, and it is a humiliation. I, I, you know, I'm not a healthy gentleman at all. Uh, it's on the Facebook page now. So uh, go over to uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. And also uh, follow Twitter at BBC 3CR. And uh, it's, the video has just been put on, uh, on the page. And you can have a look at that. So thanks, thanks team. Thanks very much for that. Uh, we got Paul from Milton Keynes talking about Greg Rutherford and the uh, lack of a Milton Keynes parade. Good morning, Paul. Oh, good morning. How, How are, are you? you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. What do you make of this? Um, well, I think it's quite appalling. I mean, I, I've been a member of Milton Keynes Council in recent years. I'm currently an, an alderman, and I just know how people feel in Milton Keynes about the pride of the new town and the surrounding villages. I'm just outside Chisley at the moment. And I think that we want, as residents, the people that have supported athletics along with them, Marshall Amplification, who's sponsored the Leisure Club and all the sporting facilities in Milton Keynes, to be able to celebrate, not necessarily with Greg as such, but for Greg. I mean, he, he'll be getting pats on the back, left, right and centre, and quite right at the show. But we want to say that people in Milton Keynes support you as well. And I, I believe that there are lots of things we can do. And if the council doesn't want to um, have a proper ceremony, and it's a case of not wanting to, it can't be a case of money, for goodness sake. I mean, how much does it cost to hire a bus? Peanuts. So I'd be quite willing to do it or to front of front to provide the fees. Why don't we get someone, a farmer maybe, um, and the leader of the council is a farmer, um, with a tractor and a trailer, you stick it in the centre of Milton Keynes. You can't, you can't drag an Olympic hero around on the back of a tractor, Paul! But why, but why not? You I mean, can't do but, that! Well, it's better that if you deck it out nicely, it'll be a nice, slow journey. There's no you such know? thing as a nicely decked out tractor. I agree with what you're saying about the bus. A bus can't be that expensive. You can't do it on a tractor, Paul. Well, anybody, I mean, anybody goes on track. I'd be well, on track. him on a skateboard or something. Well, well no, no, I think we, you know, we, need, we need a way of celebrating. If the council won't provide a proper facility, yep. then there will be someone that can, and a tractor is an attractive, unusual vehicle. <laughs> Either that, or and I'm being quite serious because yeah. we could actually travel from from the, the leader of the council's house in Castleport on his on on one of his vehicles. Yep. All the way through Milton Keynes, Wolverton, Stony, Newport, Pavnall. Well, listen, we're out of time, but th- it's, it's an idea, and I'm, I'm sorry for laughing at it. It is an idea, Paul. They're thinking we should uh, trail Greg Rutherford round on the back of a tractor. What do you think about that? Well, moving on, because we're running out of time. Look at that. It's five minutes to nine already. A French magazine has said they'll print pictures of a topless Kate Middleton on holiday in France last week. Earlier, we heard outraged, uh, how outraged Dennis and Dunstable was. Off with their heads! He said, well, these people in the three counties don't seem that pleased either. Not interested. Not interested at all? No. It's her privacy, isn't it, at the end of the day? You know, other people do it. Why shouldn't she? I think it's, 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 it's rude. It's, it's, it's wrong. No, definitely not. Not interested. I, I just, it's a complete invasion of privacy. You know, they never, ever learn. Leave it well alone. You can see my age. It doesn't do anything for me now. But, uh, no, I, I don't see. You know, it's, uh... You imagine, don't you? It's better to imagine. It's better to imagine. I agree. Well, someone who may disagree with that is Tina Yates, who's lived in a naturist community just outside St Albans for the last ten years. Good morning, Tina. Good morning. Uh, can, can I ask, naturism, what's the difference between naturism and being a nudist? Is there anything? 
Not really, no. OK. Can I ask a, a delicate question? How old are you? 62. 62. And you've, yep. you decided to become a naturist ten years ago? Uh, that's right. What, what made you decide to shed your clothes? Um, my body image was rather poor, and my husband has been a naturist forever, and he persuaded me that it, it would be a good thing to do, and yes, it is. So, well, that's interesting. So, you, are you saying it, it gives you more confidence? Yes. Was it not a bit odd, your husband being naked all the time and you being clothed? No, not really. He was uh, a, a naturist out in, you know, on the beach or in the woods, uh, in, 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 the remote, woods? in remote places. Yeah. He wasn't going to leap out from behind a tree at some passing dog walker. Uh, and you're, you're a member of a naturist community. How does this work? Is there like, you'll go around to someone's house and strip off, or what, what's the deal? No, we just live without clothes if it's comfortable. It's not very warm today, before you ask. Oh, so you've got something on? Yes. OK, that's, that's, that's a relief. I do like people talking to me when they're clothed. Um, OK, and how do, what do your friends and your family make of this? Um, they join me. Really? My family are naturists now, yes. And um, oh. my friends, it's not a secret. Some of them have visited with clothes. Some have visited and taken the clothes off. It doesn't really matter. And um, uh. I think, you know... Kate has got every right to, in the privacy of her own home, do what she wants. And I think it's despicable that somebody's got a long lens and poked it at the poor woman. Tina, listen, I, I find the whole world fascinating. OK. And uh, I, I, I may pop round one day. If I popped round for a cup of tea, would I have to take my clothes off? Uh, only if you wanted to. I'd put the heating on. Thank you very much, Tina Yates there, who is an atheist. We may, we may well follow that up. Jonathan Vernon-Smith and myself might pop round there for a cup of tea. <laughs> Kate has called in from King's Langley. Good morning, Kate. Hello, good morning. I just quickly, before you have to end, um, wanted to say that um, your cat problem with your son's bedroom... Oh, it stinks of cat wee-wee. Yeah. Yes. Do not use any cleaners um, oh. or anything like that. Just use biological washing powder oh. or liquid, and that will do the job. Don't use anything else, because it will just make the problem worse. Oh, well, I've, I've used everything else, and it has made the problem. Will that not, yeah. not bleach the carpet or anything? No, bio- just just biological washing powder, yeah. um, because like you use on your clothes, yeah. and that is the, is the only thing that will work. I promise you. I've worked in cashieries. I've worked. Uh, I've had cats. That, that, all that, the rest of it. That cat wee, it, it's pungent, isn't it? Oh, it, it is. It is unbelievable, and kick. the cat will keep going back to the same place unless you get rid of it. So well, get rid of the cat. I Kate, thank you for a second hour. I was panicking. I thought Velvet would have to move on. But no, she's staying with us a little bit longer, which is good. What a lot of diverse phone calls we've had this morning. <laughs> we've, been, <laughs> we've been all around the houses with everything today. Well, that's it for me for this week. I shall be back on Monday morning at six o'clock. While Sophie was uh, delivering the travel, I did have a little word with Jonathan off air about the possibility of us going to Tina's house for having a nudie cup of tea and crumpets. Um... He's not that keen on the idea, but I think we can work on it. Jonathan's up next. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. No, it's not really my thing.